Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week as always, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How was uh, how was your weekend? It was wonderful. I'm awesome. ready and refreshed for the week. We got <laughs> lots of cool stuff to talk about tonight. Yeah, let's uh well let's let's not bury the lead too much. Let's get right into our guest this week. We have a great guest on. Jerry, wanna introduce him? Yeah, welcome back for I think it's like fifth, sixth, maybe seventh time. <laughs> uh the one and only, the illustrious Gavin Verhe. Welcome back, buddy. I am so glad to be here. Leaving a legacy, coming on this podcast feels like coming home. I mean, you have always been there for me. <laughs> Even when I was new at Wizards, right? I would come on the show and, and talk with you all. So, you know, now I've been at Wizards for nine years. I've, I do a bit more in the community now more than I even did back then. Um, but I always appreciate what you all have done. And it is so great to be back here and talking with all of you about so many things, including, of course, one of my favorite formats, Legacy. Hell yeah. <laughs> You've grown quite the beard during quarantine, Gavin. <laughs> yeah, it is. Very impressive. So... Let me just give you just a life tip for you and anyone out there listening. If you're about to go into a worldwide pandemic and someone says, hey, when are you going to shave? Do not flippantly say until I go back into the office. Just don't do that. <laughs> be a really strong, really strong opinion. Um, you, know, you might think it's only going to be a few weeks. It has been more than a few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll admit I don't think I'm going to make it all the way, but I'm holding on to it for now. It is. It's funny because I was like, okay, I'm going to stop shaving because of this thing. And then immediately, I'm going to start up a video series where thousands of people watch me every day. Like, I don't know what, what is the worst combination in those two things. Like, I, I could just be at home, like, you know, sitting in a corner and no human would know. But instead, it, more people are watching me than have ever watched me in my entire life every day. So, I mean, I feel like it's not all decisions here were good, Okay. <laughs> it's it's pretty legit though i mean it, you definitely look you look more like an outdoorsman now than a uh than a game designer so that's a it's an interesting uh cross section you have going there yeah i feel like if you drop me in the rocky mountains for a few months i would i would look like this i'd come back like a bear I, it's funny because i have some i have a few friends i made during quarantine like just through mutual like friend group um video chats and stuff like that who have never seen me without a beard and, oh wow <laughs> I'm going to be so excited for them to, them to see me because I think they all think I'm like a 43-year-old hobo, you know? And, and instead of like, you know, the suave, debonair, well-dressed person, 30-year-old that course. I normally am. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give it give it a few more weeks. Maybe we'll see what happens. It, Fantastic. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I'm loving it. <laughs> well, well, Jerry, we got a ton of questions for Gavin because, of course, we let our listeners know that he was coming on the show. He was gracing us with his presence once again. And so we have a ton of questions that piled in. Jerry, do you want to start rifling through them? Nah, let's save them for the end, Pat. I'm going to be a bit greedy. Okay. I'm, I'm keeping Gavin off for myself early on. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 I'm yours. You know me. We- I'm yours, Jerry Bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jerry, do you have some hot stock tips for, for us? Is that what it is? We, we, were, talking, we were talking finance uh, earlier. Uh, while we were waiting for you to get on, Pat, I was talking about high interest savings accounts. It's great. It's we're going to start just an actual factual finance podcast, Pat. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, people, it, it, people it, ask it, for it. 
in all seriousness, Magic players are a group that, I mean, we have a bunch of really unusual financial questions. Like, is it right for me to travel to a Magic Fest? I mean, not right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not right now, not right. so much. But like, like, in general, just like stuff that is hard for a lot of folks to wrap their head around. So I think there is totally a market for that kind of thing. Yeah. A, a question that comes up in our Facebook group all the time is, hey, I'm thinking about getting my Magic collection insured. Does anyone have recommendations? So it's it's crazy. I was telling Gavin in the pre-show that I've actually started kind of like a little side business specifically advising magic players about financial decisions because they have these questions that they can't just go into like their usual financial advisor's office and say hey should I sell my set of beta power to buy a house <laughs> and the financial advisor's like I don't know what you're talking about yeah what is what are you doing <laughs> very cool that's uh, interesting but let's let's get into you Gavin what what's tell our listeners what's been going on with quarantine you know I I feel your job as as a designer of magic you know everyone always says work from home's great but you don't get the uh the creativity and you don't get the collaboration and for 99% of Americans like that's just you know bullcocky it doesn't matter at all uh they can do their job at home just as fine but I feel as a magic designer that you're one of that one percent where that actually is true. Like being in that face to face, being able to like draft with people, uh, it it it's hard to replace with a Zoom call. What's that been like? Yeah, it took a lot of very quick work by a lot of very talented people at Wizards to come up with good solutions. And there's a few a few folks who have really done some great stuff. Um, for example, there's this this one guy named Yanni Skalnik who's a genius and. Uh, did a bunch of really good stuff with spreadsheets that enabled us to do some some forms of actually like playing magic through spreadsheets, which is pretty awesome. Um, as like a very early test thing, right? So I mean, there's all kinds of early stuff we tried, and I unfortunately can't get into, into too much of the specifics of of how we are play testing right now. But play testing is happening, and we've come up with a bunch of really creative solutions for making it happen, which is really great. You know, the, the core for me actually it was less a question of play testing, because you know, worst case we can, we can always like do webcam magic, which is what a lot of people are, mm-hmm. are doing right now with stuff like Commander. Um, so I'm not as concerned about, about actually playing magic against other people. Like, I know we'd find a solution for that. The thing I was just more worried about was what you spoke to, the creativity of being able to like be in a room with someone and bounce ideas off of them and like come to some of these really strong conclusions and how is that all going to work remotely? Because so much of um, the kind of like R&D, the classic R&D feel was like being able to sit in the pit, which is the, like the area we all sit in with like our lowered cubicles and just hearing conversations and yelling out ideas and someone will walk over and be like, oh, what do you think about this, this card design and stuff like that? And I'm not going to say it's perfect. Like, I can't just sit here and say, it's yeah, there's no change whatsoever because you do miss some of that, right? You miss all the hallway conversations. You miss overhearing, like, this thing is happening. And as a whole, you know, I would say that in general, people probably have slightly less awareness of things than, than they did before. But on the flip side, we found a lot of really good ways to replace it. We have more standing meetings that are like, hey, let's just talk about the stuff that we're working on. I think by this point in time, you know, we're over six months in now. By this point in time, people have gotten used to just like sending out messages that are like, hey, here's an idea. What do you think about this? And, you know, no, no weird feelings about it. Um, and I feel like I've been looped into a lot of conversations. So I'm not going to say it's perfect, um, but there has been a lot of a lot of good movement on this. And I think that's across the company. I, I, it's not just in the design portion of things, but in all areas uh, there's been a lot of that stuff. Um, and the, the culture change, um, you know, there's a bit of a shift, but I feel like we're still getting some of the best stuff, um, the best stuff out of it. And, you know, really, hmm. I am so excited about a lot of our upcoming products and sets, and I think they're still top-notch. Like, you know, I, there's this part of me that feared, you know, we, we, had a, we had a slideshow for a set not too long ago, 
which is where um, we see like all of the cards in their final versions or, or semi-final versions. You know, basically like there's a everyone shows off or one person shows off all the cards to everyone else. Um, and the people, people ask for comments and stuff like that. It's like the last chance to leave comments on cards before they get, get printed. And part of me was like fearing when we went into the slideshow that it was going to be like, I don't know, like doodles on the, as the artwork and like, you know, the text boxes <laughs> weren't going to be finished. Like, I know it wasn't actually going to happen. There was a part of me that just was like worried that we weren't going to get there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, you see the first magic set that, that had been done mostly during the quarantine process. And you're like, oh, no. This still looks like an amazing magic set. There's still awesome draft archetypes. The art is still incredible. Like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to be fine. And so um, especially next year, now that you actually all know the slate of products uh, that we're launching next year, there are so many cool ones and sets that I'm excited about. I'm really, really yeah. glad that uh, being in quarantine didn't uh, make them any kind of lackluster because uh, we've got a banging year of magic in the future. Yeah, I have- I'm tell you that much. I haven't pulled up the uh, the 2021 product release uh, preview that you guys did, which is this the first time you've done something like this laid out an entire year all at once? We did it last year. So we did it with Zendikar. We announced Zendikar okay. and Akoria and Theros and um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we just it, that one really, really well, actually. So we kind of ran the same yeah. thing back here. Now, I'll note that and this is for everyone out there because this is a popular question, although I know it's not for this podcast. I'm sure someone will be wondering it. Um, we didn't announce any commander stuff in this reveal Mm -hmm. that'll come at a later date we have some plans for how we might talk about upcoming commander products but for the mainline sets and stuff like modern horizons and time spiral remastered uh we we announced those here um which is so exciting to me because one of the hardest parts of the job is knowing about all the cool stuff you're doing and not being able to talk about it so getting like a little bit of extra leeway of oh wow i can talk about you know all the way through innistrad next year Mm -hmm. is pretty nice Mm -hmm. before we move too far forward and i forget i just want to say if you guys are not already doing this you have to be recording these slideshow meetings you're having where you're going through the final set design and just like release those like 10 years later <laughs> after everything's come out, because that would be such an insane look at the inside of, uh, of wizards and you know, how you guys talk about cars before they come out. And I'm sure we would have some great time capsule moments of, you know, uh, you know, this Tarmogoyf is, this Tarmogoyf is pretty cool, but let's, let's shave a casting cost off of him because I, uh, we just wanted to be a little bit better. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's just, that first of all, that's a great idea. I don't know if we are right now, but I'm going to pitch that to someone. That sounds like an pitch amazing that. piece of content for years in the future. I will say, I think mostly what would happen is it would sound amazing, and then people would watch and be extremely disappointed because a lot of the comments in a slideshow are like, um, I think we should change and then the it's word. The, in the, a, it's a board meeting. It's just like everyone other's office work meeting. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I think it's just like a lot of the times it'll be. It's not. It's it's never like oh, we should cut mana costs off of this. It's more like um. Have you considered that we should change the order of these two words in the flavor text? I think the preposition's in the wrong place. <laughs> or, uh, or hey, uh, this creature doesn't have a class. Could it be a cleric? Yes, yeah, like stuff like that, you know? So yeah. it's like very, very minor things. We're not looking for big uh, gameplay feedback. Occasionally, I mean, yes, cards usually do change gameplay-wise after a slideshow happens. There'll be like some amount of, um, of tweaks that, that occur to them. Um, but even then, they're not gonna, usually major tweaks. You know, like thinking back to battle bond is like, I would add a, a toughness to, I added a toughness to a few cards or I, I docked mm-hmm. a card. I like Najila, the war blossom. The last change I made to the set was making Najila, the war blossom, a three, two from a three, three. 
right? It's just like, oh, so I got a bunch of comments that this looked really, really powerful, and they would play it even if it was weaker. So I just notched a toughness because it probably didn't need to be a 3-3. And it turns out I was right because mm. it's one of the best cards to play in Commander. Maybe I should have knocked it more. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> uh, See, these are the fun so, uh, things you got to say. So maybe you just get like a really talented editor to streamline it into a highlight reel, but right. that would be some great footage to watch. Right, right, right. Yeah, there, there's some cool stuff coming up, coming up especially um, – you know, we started doing the, this booster fun initiative, right? You saw this with Eldraine where we have these alternate card styles that come out. And yeah. so with that, there's always a lot of really fun feedback too. And I, I can't I can't spoil some of the booster fun for the next year, of course, but uh, we are really amping up our levels of cool stuff that we're doing. So I am just constantly <laughs> blown away and impressed by uh, the stuff that's going on there. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, I have uh, the 2021 20, uh, release schedule pulled up here and it's some, it's some great stuff. All right, Jerry, can we, do, we, can we just cut to the chase? Let's yeah. talk about Time Spiral Remastered. Because yeah, I know. okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, we, we, we've been dancing around this for the past 10 minutes. I appreciate, I appreciate all the all the. I was going to talk about careful, careful choreography, cool. but Vikings let's get cool. let's get right into it. <laughs> all right, Time Spiral Remastered. Hell yeah. I Can I just say I love remastered sets, and uh, I really loved on Magic Online when uh, Tempest Remastered came out. And when that came out online, I'm like, this is such a cool idea that they could do in paper, too. And now I feel like it, my my prophecy's fulfilling with Time Spiral Remastered, where you guys are, you know, taking another look at Time Spiral, which has always been a favorite topic of this cast with you. You know, you have so many cool stories about the original Time Spiral. So I can't wait for uh, Time Spiral Remastered. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know... You're actually gonna get the inside scoop, right? This is I'm, I haven't told any stories about Time Spiral Remastered yet, so I'm, I'll I'll tell you kind of how it came to be. So we made um, Tempest Remastered, as you mentioned, ages ago for Magic Online. It was a cool mm-hmm. project. I actually enjoyed playing it. It didn't ultimately do anything spectacular for us, though, right? So what, we didn't really continue the initiative. Um, flash forward many, many, many years, and I'm trying to think of new products I can come up with. Like, what is a new booster release we, we can make, and um, what are things that players keep asking me for, um, and what I realize is that magic is in this place where it's been around for nearly 30 years now, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe it myself when I say it out loud sometimes. And it's crazy. you can play a lot of old experience, right? Like it's pretty easy if you want to like even play old constructed formats. You can, do, you can do that. And there are formats all the way back to legacy and vintage that let you play with all the old cards. Um, but a thing that you can't easily do that people talk about all the time is draft old formats, right? And, th- and this is not just like a, a niche thing that comes up in conversation. This is a very popular topic of a conversation. Like I, I can't imagine, I-, I can't count how many times on Twitter, like, well, hey, what's the best draft format of all time has come up, right? This comes right. up all the time. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. We're a major property. And if what if I was like, hey, um, Jerry, you should really go see Star Wars. And you're like, oh man, yeah, I gotta go check out Star Wars. We're like, ah, sorry, you had to have been there 30 years ago. Otherwise, like, <laughs> you just, you, it, it doesn't exist anywhere else. You just missed it. It's the best movie of all time, but like, you're just never gonna, gonna get the chance to go see it, you know? And maybe if you like, go find a box, or, or if you know about Magic Online, right, and you're in the, at the right week, you can find a flashback draft, but you, you, you literally can't go, go experience these things. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, all these great old formats, like, that people, people love. And so I was like, I want to pitch this idea of remaster. And I'll admit, it was, um, it was contentious. It was definitely a bit of an uphill battle in some places because, like I said, mm-hmm. Tempest Remastered was not was not a mega hot. Like it didn't do horribly or anything, but like it just mm-hmm. it was kind of ho hum, right? It was like, oh, we did it, didn't really yeah. work out that well. 
Um, but I got, I, you know, I eventually got people excited about it and I kept pulling people on different blocks they'd want to do. Um, because what I would love to do is do a lot of remastered sets, but we're kind of starting with one and just kind of seeing how it goes. And if it goes over mm-hmm. well, maybe, maybe we'll do more. Right. Can um, I just, uh, can I just pitch real quick, uh, onslaught remastered, just I, take all my money, take all I, my money. <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly on my list. That's <laughs> with fetch lands are, are you always, always popular ones. Um, oh, true. I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Imagine if I'm not thinking about fetch lands. I've been convinced what? that's never true. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I don't, you know, I honestly don't know if we'll do more, but if you, if you like the idea, go and um, definitely pick up Pines, 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 Remaster when it comes out. So anyway, I can't pitch, pitch, can't pitch people on sets and, um, and I would, I would go through my list and I had there, I had basically like four front runners, four or five front runners that are really, really liked. And then I would give the ask them to rate them from like one to ten. They'd be like, "Oh, you know, like, this is a six, this is a seven, this is a whatever." And they'd get really, you know, they're going through them. And then I'd get to the end. I'd always save time spot for the last. And the number of people who are like, "This is a thousand out of ten. This is this, like <laughs> everyone's like, this is what I want." It's such it's a it's a fan favorite block. It's yeah. The draft format's great. It even fits thematically because it has all this wonky tonk stuff going on, right? It's like well, yeah, it's all, all the time these, travel. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right. So it was such such a great fit. Um. And, uh, so that's what I pitched. And once again, there was a lot of, um, a lot of internal discussion and a lot of like rounding up on the final version. But so anyway, so that, that's how we got to Thomas Ball remastered. And then I was trying to think of, okay, well, what's, what's a neat thing we could do here on top of just the reprints, right? Cause there's a lot of cool reprints. Like, of course you get a bunch of reprints from Time Sparrow. We're merging all three sets for, from the block into, into one, um, but, but calling it down to a select list of cards for, to make like a good curated draft experience, like what Tempest remastered or Omniket remastered did or something like that. And so I was thinking about ideas of what to do there. And actually, believe it or not, a huge influence on me was leaving a legacy and all the conversations we've had on this very podcast and fans about um, old card frames, right? People want them Mm -hmm. back. And I've, I've tried, I tried a number of times, but there was just always a complication, right? I tried for like promos and stuff, but there's a lot of problems with using the old card frame. And with mystery booster, I think I might've even talked on this show about how we got that to work by using exactly the old files, no changes uh, to print the old cards. But there were a lot of challenges with reprinting the card frame as it was. But, you know, I was, I pitched it for the product. It went through a lot of uh, discussion. We had to spin up a whole little mini team actually to, to work on getting the access to the old card frame and getting that ready to go and able to print. Um, but it all worked out. And long story short in time spot remastered, we are going to get a number of cards in the old card frame, many of which, are um, legacy staples. Now, I'm not going to go out and say that, <laughs> you know, every booster pack is going to be just have a, a legacy staple 100% for sure in here or anything like that. Um, and, you know, the three cards we saw were um, Path to Exile, Chalice yep. of the Void, and Relentless Rats. And we, we yep. picked those cards to show off because we want to show off some of the range. Like, yeah, you, there's Path to Exile and Chalice of the Void, which are eternal cards. There's also mm-hmm. going to be some stuff like Relentless Rats, which is not an eternal card, but it's just, just like a sweet a sweet card, right? And it's very much, you know, in the style of the original Time Spiral bonus sheet, which was like, hey, here's some cards. Some of them are cool, and some of them are also kind of weird Relics from Magic's history. So, you know, make sure you set your expectations appropriately. But yep. um, definitely we kept uh, eternal format players, Legacy, Vintage, and also Commander and Cube in mind. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish I could tell you some of the sweet stuff on the list. I can't, but uh, let's you just say that... You didn't come here with a full list, Gavin? <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people lost their minds when they saw brown artifact frames. And and, and it's uh, it's very, very exciting to see. I love Personally, I love the brown artifact frames, so I'm really excited to see that making a comeback in that set. 
Yeah, that was actually when they asked me what we should preview in the preview, I said we have to show off an artifact. Because yes. yeah. 100%. Yeah. The, basically every time I'd show the cards off anywhere, the artifacts, like everyone was always very excited about them. But seeing the mm-hmm. old artifact border on some of these cards so good. was just so cool. And there's some, yeah. I mean, you know, Chalice of the Void is, of course, a very high, high marquee card. Um, like mm-hmm. people, that is, that is among some of the most exciting cards on the list, once again, to set your expectations. But uh, I thought it was just such a banger to show off. And, totally, uh, totally. Yeah, there's some, there's some cool stuff there. And I know you haven't seen any, um, but, you know, you've only seen a few of the frames so far. But seeing some mm-hmm. of the... Of the uh, newer cards and older frames, there are some that are like, "Oh my gosh, that looks incredible!" Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't, yeah. I cannot wait for you to see some of the see some of uh, Also, I believe I saw a tweet that you sent out that uh, the foils are going to have the original shooting star foil. Yes, uh, you want to talk about <laughs> you want to Just- talk about a lot of minute work to try and get something <laughs> that was like it was enough to try and get the frame to work, but then yep. when I was also like, "Oh, can we get the shooting star foils?" That was a whole nother process. And <laughs> so um, good though. It's so good. Can I just say though, like that's that's the chef's kiss. Like that yeah. that's yeah. perfect. It, it's I mean, amazing. I, my philosophy is if you're gonna do something like this, do it right. And yeah. um I look, I, I can't say that it's always gonna be perfect. I can't say that that's always gonna be the case for everything that we do. And you know, at the end of the day, we are an enemy a vict- at the mercy of time, right? Like if if it had come back. And I, it had been like, Gavin, if you want to do this star, it's going to take two more years. I, I would just have to have, have pulled the trigger and been like, okay, fine. You know, we shouldn't wait two years for this. Um, but mm-hmm. the fact that we were able to do it on a, on a time frame that ended up working out just barely. Um, and that, you know, we, we reorganized some elements of the schedule to make it happen makes me really, really happy. So, um, you know, when you open these up in a pack, they should look pretty much like the old ones. It's, you know, printing is a lot different than it used to be, so I wouldn't be surprised if when you compare them side by side with the jeweler's loop, you see some small differences here and there, but in your decks, the goal was very much, they would would look... um it yeah, would look identical, yeah. So. That's, I, I still remember being a kid and opening up uh, my first like Urza's Legacy boosters and seeing like the foils in there. And it was before I really knew, like the, before there was an internet to to find where these what these cards were going to look like. I had no idea there were going to be foils in the packs. And uh, I remember opening them up and just being blown away. And so I'm really excited to be opening packs that have that shooting star foil. I think that's super, super neat. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, in retrospect... I, maybe we should have shown off a foil or something during the preview stream, but it's really like, as you say, until you can hold one in your hands and see it, yeah. which, I, which I, which I have, by the way, like I got samples <laughs> yeah. of some of the foils in the office before COVID hit and mm-hmm. uh, me and, um, and Rachel um, were, were flipping out over, over the, uh, Rachel yeah. Agnes. Yeah. If you know, if you know her from yeah. Twitter, we were flipping yeah. out over them. Cause that's also been one of her requests for a long time. She was one mm-hmm. of the people that definitely had a strong influence in this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she joined uh, wizards, after I'd already initiated the project. And so on her like first day, I was able to like, be like, Rachel, check this out. And she like lost her mind. It was so cool. Oh, that was amazing. That's great. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see, you know, the last time you were on, yeah, you like did a call actually probably two times ago. You did a call for listeners, you know, what were the cards that you want to see in these old border frames? And, um, there were some great suggestions that I didn't even think of that. I'm really interested to see what, what makes the cut here. Cause this, this is going to be sick. And I will have you and all the Leaving a Legacy listeners know that when I went back to work on the set, and Ben Hayes was the lead designer, so I don't want to take credit for things he did. I was the lead architect. Ben Hayes was the lead designer. So we worked really closely together on this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I pulled that list, and Ben and I looked over it. 
So what you all wrote in that Facebook thread very much hit us as we were working on this set. So once again, certainly do not expect everything you said to be in there because it isn't. But it was certainly, yeah. it was certainly an influence. Um, it, 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 I have to say, like one of the one of the coolest things about I mean, you know, it's it's kind of surreal talking to someone like you from Wizards who you know, because Jerry and I are really really just huge fans of the game and and talking to people like you and like. Seeing that, you know, obviously, like, it's a business, right? And you guys want to cater to your to the people who are buying your product. But it's just very cool to be seen and heard and, like, feel that, like, the feedback that the community gives is, is very much taken kind of into consideration when you make decisions like that. And I just wanted to say, like, I'm very appreciative of that because I think it's really neat that that's something that you guys do and that, you know, like, pe- the, what people ask for a lot of times can have, obviously, not an immediate impact because there is, like, a, I, I assume there is a long cycle design for a lot of this stuff and a lot of lead time you have to have on it, but the fact that you guys are always listening is, is super cool and that's been very apparent since I've, since I really started playing Magic again back in 2016, like, or 2014, sorry, that, like, you guys were really, like, pushing that kind of stuff and very aware of that and I, I think it's really, really neat. Yeah, and once again, I really will stress that uh, this stuff just takes time, right? Like we were talking about old bordered cards three years ago, mm-hmm, something yeah. like that, right? And, yep. you know, people are always like, hey, why haven't you done this thing yet? Why haven't you done this thing yet? And the, the true answer most of the time is we have, you just don't know about it yet. And, right, yeah, right. <laughs> and and even though we've done a lot of work to speed up our processes and we do things now actually faster than we used to, it still just takes time. And mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's the nature of the beast. <laughs> um. Now, is every card in Time Spiral Remastered old-bordered, or is there a mix? Can you tell us that yet? Uh, yeah, so the, the way that Time Spiral Remastered works is much in the vein of the original Time Spiral. Every pack contains one old-bordered card, and that's from oh, a, cool. a, a specified uh, yeah. list of cards that we pulled into the yes. set. Kind of, kind of like the bonus sheet was in original Time Spiral. The yes. rest of the set is all reprints from the Time Spiral block, um, and uh, those are all in the modern card frame. Awesome. So, uh, I mean, you're still going to be, you know, like on top of all the sweet old card frame stuff, we're still just getting um, a bunch of sweet reprints. Like, I, I'm not going to yeah. say what's in the set, but it's Time Spiral. You can imagine some of the cards that might be in the <laughs> yeah. set. There's yeah. all kinds of, of really good uh, legacy uh, and, you know, even modern playable stuff in there. So I think you'll be happy with a lot of the stuff you see. I'm curious if you can tell us any stories because this is really interesting to me. So the the old border has been printed in how long? How, when was, was it 2010? Oh. Well, so the, the was, last, the last set with it was time spiral okay um there were some promos that were done so you have to look at i think the crucible of worlds or the sword Mm -hmm. were the last two and the dark confidant too yeah yeah dark confidant was the first one i think i think the the sword is either the sword or the crucible that was the newest one but it's been a while what kind of difficulties were there? I don't know if you can if you can talk about this yet, but I'm interested to hear if if you can what kind of difficulties there were bringing back those those old borders to print on on these cards. Like I imagine, like I don't know, I, I don't really don't know how that works, but there's some kind of file stuck away in a computer somewhere where you have access to it. Or, you know, can you tell us a little did, bit about that? Did you guys build Did you build it from scratch or use the old files? I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, if I told you, I, first of all, I don't know all the all the answers myself. Two, it's a lot of it is just not that interesting. It's just on the production <laughs> production end stuff. I know people are like, "Is this was it locked in a deep vault somewhere?" We had to go talk to Glee Max, who called I, I want to imagine his cousin, but it's just like, to no, go down to Gringotts to get it. You know, just printing has changed a lot, and how we print yeah. has changed, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the files are a lot different than they used to be back then. So there's a lot of work by our production team, and really, I mean, they're a, a very unsung hero 
of magic. You hear about a lot about the designers, but there are so many folks that go into making this stuff happen. And so there are names that I'll say like David Stevens or Will Ansel or, or people who really worked closely on this project who you've never heard of, but made all mm-hmm. this stuff happen. So, um, you know, I can't name them all on this call, but I'm um, truly big hats off to the production team and all the folks who really led the charge of making this, this old frame stuff happen because it was, uh, it is a huge triumph for me. And now, yeah. like, my hope is that we have unlocked this old frame and we'll be able to use it in more places. So, yeah, but, sure. but here's the thing. Here's the thing for everyone out there. <laughs> there are plenty of people who do not believe the old frame is exciting. Um, so my hope is Time Spell Remastered will prove them wrong. And we'll mm-hmm. get Time Spell Remastered. People will go, go nuts for these cards. They'll want everything in old, old frame. And we can do more things like it. But I could also be wrong. I am certainly not always right. So... My strongest recommendation to you is when Time Spell Remastered comes out, go pick it up and talk about how much you love the old frame cards. If you like them, don't do it, obviously, if you yeah. don't. But if you like them <laughs> if you, and if you're happy with how it turned out, please post and tweet and, you know, whatever. Um, put mm-hmm. it on MySpace, your, your top <laughs> feedback, because uh, I, I personally would love to know your thoughts. Um, and, uh, and, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I don't think uh, legacy players will be shy about uh, picking up Time Spiral at all. And if you like the old border uh, frames, guys, and you want to see more of them, make sure to to pick that Time Spiral up. So, you know, vote with your wallet, as they say. <laughs> I, I have very high confidence that will be very successful. Yes. Um, we'll see. Uh, of course, you know, it's un- hopefully I would love to believe that by the time it hits next year, the world will be in a place where people can easily draft it. I know that may or may not be the case, but Seriously, yeah. um, but definitely I think even re- without the draft format, there's still a lot of exciting stuff there. And with the draft format, I mean, Time Spiral Block is one of my favorite draft formats of all time. It might might even be my favorite. It's super fun. And this is it distilled down and really refined with like a modern day look feel to it. Um, so I, I think it's a blast. I don't know what more to say other than I think you'll all really love it. Um, and it was totally a labor of love getting this thing made. Awesome. Is it a, uh, is it like in a master's slot? It's not going to be standard legal, right? No, it is not standard legal. There's something, there's something funny to me about dropping the entirety of, Times. or, you know, a huge chunk of time spiral block right. onto standard. It's like, surprise, here it is. We heard um, you like standard, so we put standard in your standard. Right. For, for the next two years, standard is modern. Um, no, I, uh... No, it, it is not that. And of course, I can't I mean I can't talk about MSRP because we don't do MSRPs anymore. Um, but, I, yeah. you know, I, I think I think people will be, be happy to go and check it out. Awesome. Oh, you don't do MSRPs anymore? That's interesting. Yeah, we haven't done MSRPs. Mm. I think maybe the last set we did MSRPs on was Ultimate Masters, if I remember correctly. I, I don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. I'm not 100% certain. But, um, yeah, we, we, we do not do MSRP, uh, MSRP huh. anymore. I think, it's, I think it's good because... Wizards does MSRP and people get mad at Wizards and then Wizards just throws their hands up and it's like we the stores choose the price. It's not like we can really like go out and dictate exactly what everyone's gonna do, especially when you have something like magic. Right. Yeah, I mean I don't know, I'll admit I don't know enough about the details behind that decision to be able to say much. I can just tell you we don't have an MSRP anymore. So yeah. um here here we are. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, now there's a bunch of other cool stuff. I like, I honestly, I feel like we would need like a four hour episode just to get into all of it, but there's, I, I'm really excited about the Viking set. That looks sick. Uh, Strix. Oh my gosh. The, the, the Viking. Oh, I'm so excited for so many reasons for call time. <laughs> 98% of which I can't tell you about right now. I know. Um, nothing, nothing but one is, you know, I, I think basically since, since I started at wizards, People, people have been asking, when are you going to do a Viking set, right? When are you going to do the kind of, you know, Norse-inspired setting? And I think even since they saw the plane Kaldheim in Plane Chase, 
people have asked that question, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. And so to finally not only do it, but to but to do the North set, and to even be able to name it Kaldheim is a big win for me. You know, it was it was a bummer for me, and I know why it happened, but it was a bummer for me that with Tarkir we were going to call it Kanar, and then some issues came up. But Kanar was a plane that was in the original plane chase, and so mm-hmm. it was it would have been really cool to like do a nod to that. And so it was really cool to me this time that we got to do a nod to Kaldheim proper yeah. and um, and get that that plane name on just a single plane in plane chase into the actual world of magic. So That's that awesome. put a big smile on my face. I I, I love Very it. Cool. Also, I don't know if you're a fan, but uh, Norseman is an amazing show that I think of uh, <laughs> when I saw the Vikings set the uh, spoiled. Have you seen this show? <laughs> No, I haven't seen Norseman. I mean, Vikings I know about, but not this one. So Norseman is yep. a comedy, and it's basically if Vikings and The Office had a uh, child, that's that's what Norseman <laughs> would be. <laughs> Sold. Sold. Sign me up for five seasons, please and Thrunts, thank you. They just, did, they just came out with season three, so... <laughs> Okay. But yeah, I feel Vikings have been uh, bubbling up in the zeitgeist. Can I just ask a very important television-related question? Yes. Um... There's this show on Apple Plus. Uh, it's called Ravens. No, Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest. Okay. Uh, Ravens Banquet, maybe like that. Have either of you watched this show? It's a, it's a, it's like an office style sit- show about a bunch of game developers, and huh. I and I keep getting recommended it to me um, by friends, but I'm not sure if they're recommending it because this is good. You should watch it, or because oh hey, you're a game developer, you'll <laughs> right. like this show. So I would love some real recommendations. So if you have seen it, great. If not, though, anyone who's um, listening to this podcast, leave a comment, let me know. And uh, if you think it's good, I'll go watch it. And if you don't, then I won't. And my life will be that easy. Leaving a legacy listeners not only get to influence uh, future magic sets, but also Gavin's TV uh, appetite. (laughs) You know, I have, there's this thing that I've started started saying recently. I might do like a a video or tweet or something about this at some point. There's this thing that I've started saying um, that I've just found, which is everything you do in life is training for something else you don't know about yet. Yep. And I feel like hmm. every show I've watched, <laughs> like every every place I've been, like at some point it will do something important for me. And the number of times where I've designed a magic card or something that's based on a game I played or a show I watched or a place I went to or even a conversation I had is just tremendous. Right? Like when, when we were on this podcast and you were like, um, hey, you should do some old frame cards, <laughs> you would have never thought that that would mean we'd get to Time Spiral Remastered but here we are, right? right? So, I mean, yep. you never know. And maybe watch, watching this show will teach me something. Maybe maybe it won't. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> call, um, call Time Tune. That's, that's why I'd uh, like for you to tell me. <laughs> call, time, call Time Tune turns into like an unhinged spinoff because you got the comedy aspect. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Uh, well, that, that, yeah, so that's awesome. Um, also, I, so, sorry, Pat, you were going to ask something. Too. Oh, I didn't, yes. want, I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, right. Yeah. So I, I, this is probably something that you, I'm, I'm sure you cannot answer this, but I did just want to put it out there because I was listening to our sister podcast, which is the dead format. There's an ex, another excellent, uh, Boston based legacy, uh, podcast. And, uh, they were talking about call time cause they're both very excited for that set as well. And they were interested in, interested to see, uh, kind of like what color pie, what parts of the color pie you're going to have Vikings in because, and they posited, and when I thought of it myself, I also figured like, tip, to me, like the typical Viking is very much like in the red section of the color pie. So I'm going to be very, very interested to see sort of where, you know, how, how that get, ends up working out. Like like I said, I'm sure you can't talk about it at all, if, if any, but uh, I did want to just kind of put that out there and also shout out the dead format because I try to do that every episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think we've learned a lot of lessons about our top downs and designs over time, right? We, we started off doing stuff like Innistrad, really, which was a smash hit. 
No, we, we moved into mm. to doing top downs of other worlds, and some the, there's some of them worked out really well, like Theros, and some of them like the flavor didn't come quite as through on. And I think what we found is if you're going to do a world to make it a, like a flavorful top down setting, which of course with a set based on North mythology and Vikings, we would want to do right. Um, mm. We want to make sure that there's enough trope space, and we want to make sure that th- that we have answers for questions like what color gets thing X. So yes, there there are answers mm. to all of these things. You can probably think about a piece of North mythology and or North um, reality, or in some cases, and if it's in the set, we probably thought about what colors it should go in and where it should be. So um, mm. there are answers to all this stuff. You'll have to wait till call time to see it. Um, but we spent of plenty course, of time yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> can I make a wild, outlandish prediction that uh, I might either be clairvoyant or a uh, you know madman if I if I get this right? I, I want to hear it. Uh, my theory. And for all this, I, if this turns out to be true, I have no insight on this. <laughs> My theory is the set is going to be about how Oko goes to call time and becomes the like Loki trickster god of call time. <laughs> That is that is my my theory based on nothing other than what I just know. But like if Gavin, I'm 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 being very astute to Gavin's facial expressions to see if I hit a nerve. Well, if there's one thing I know about about magic players, they love Oko. So it would make, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, but that is that is my my crazy left field. Uh, we'll we'll check back next year and see if I'm right. I would I would like to see what happens when Jace gets on a Viking longboat and tries to like do magic with them. I think that'd be pretty. And they call him a, a witch and they try to kill him. I think it'd be pretty. No, funny J- Jace has some experience on Ixalan on boats. I think he yeah. get around just fine. Can I just say true. actually the Ixalan like short stories that came out were actually some of my favorite. Like Jace, like Pirate Jace was some of the most compelling reads I had in like the Magic Vothros that came out. Yeah, it was super fun. I, I'm really happy that with Zendikar Rising 2, we are back to putting out web fiction. Right? Yes. So we've got stories coming out on the website, and that's been really, really great. Uh, to me, it is so telling, um, Pat and Jerry, that you brought up web fiction because you are both are like entrenched <laughs> legacy players, right? Like right? You have all the legacy decks you, you could imagine. You're like playing at high mm-hmm. levels of competition. And in, you're like, yeah, um, I love the story, <laughs> which is super cool, right? Because there's a time in Magic's history where that wasn't true, right? When I started playing, like, I knew the details of the invasion story or whatever, and people were like, um, you read that, right? But now like, people people are, are know what's going on, and they care about it a lot. So for that reason, I'm so happy we brought back the web fiction because it really helps propagate it wider, gives gives it um, to everyone. It's easily readable. Yeah. And um, my hope is that does some really cool stuff going forward with the story. I, 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 I'm glad you guys are doing that because I imagine that, like, uh, it, it it obviously expends a certain amount of resources to create those fictions, and I imagine the return on them, like from a financial standpoint, pro- and again, you probably can't answer this, but this is just kind of my speculation, probably isn't that great. Like, I don't think people really like are like, oh, I really like the store. I'm going to buy a bunch of the cards, but I, th- I do think that it makes the environments um, a little bit more um, enveloping, maybe you know, fleshes them out a little bit for people playing the game. So, I, I think that's pretty cool that you guys are making more stories for people. When and when again, it's like only tangentially maybe you know helps helps actually sell the product versus like it just makes a much more rich environment for the players it just shows that watsy actually you know cares and they're not just purely doing things that only affect the bottom line which is nice mm. mm-hmm. you know the thing about magic is even unlike a lot of other games that are out there it is so hard for us to know what things we do actually make an impact or and in, in what ways right yeah of course like 
power level of sets is one of the easier ones to do. It's like, oh, this was way too strong. The set was way too weak. It did, it did well. It did poorly, whatever. But how much do things like story matter? How much do things like, you know, like you look up and down any, any number of chain, how much do they matter? And I think the philosophy that I have at least is magic should be a, a whole encompassing experience, right? And just mm. by this stuff existing, by great story existing, it just brings you deeper into the game. It makes you care about the game more. It gives you something to relate to with other people. And I don't know by what numbers that moves the bottom line, but I know that it's important. And mm-hmm. I know it is important enough that we should be doing it and um, that our players care about it. And ultimately, yeah. creating, um, creating an amazing environment for our players is what I want to be doing, right? Like, I care so much about our players, and I, I, I can't tell you what it what it does but i can tell you it does something and mm-hmm. i would hope that that it's worth it and the player's happiness and like this ability to build up an incredible ip with these great storylines um really means a lot to me so uh i'm so happy that it's there nice yeah i am definitely of the generation i remember where uh whenever a new set would come out i would always get a fat pack because the fat pack came with the book and then you'd read the mm-hmm, book mm-hmm. and learn the story so i i love that sort of stuff i would i think i started a little earlier than you jared because i remember buying the paperback paperback books you could buy like actual paperback books like the brothers i had the brothers war i had a, a plane shift one i had a like probably like uh, maybe a maybe a dozen of the different books that that i read uh from the magic's old history i don't know what happened to them i'm sure they're valuable and they probably went to a uh, goodwill somewhere at some point but uh, <laughs> but I, I was i was that deep into it when i was a kid that i was like i read the books and i found them to be very entertaining yeah. so I still have my um, old collection of books at my mom's house, and it went to the point where I was not only buying every book that came out, like you, like you were Jeremy, but um, or Jerry, uh, but I uh, I would go to like used bookstores and look for the ones I didn't have. <laughs> yeah, and so I have copies of like Arena and Whispering Wood and stuff like in my collection <laughs> oh, cool. at home, which uh, is, is a fun throwback. And at some point, maybe I'll assemble it. I certainly do not have room in my house for it right now, though, but I'd love to <laughs> have to ha- have it at some point. Oh. I kept a couple copies, like I, I think I bought two or three copies of The Duelist when I was a kid, and I kept those magazines for ye- like I mean I probably yeah. got rid of them maybe maybe ten years ago, maybe maybe even more recently than that. But I, I remember I just remember like those being like little like um, you know like a, a time capsule of magic at that time. I thought they were really neat to look back on and stuff, and the covers were always just really really cool. If you want, um, if you, if any of you or any of the listeners have three minutes, which I would hope that you have, um, you should go watch a video I put up on my YouTube channel. Shameless plug: I have this new YouTube channel, Good Morning Magic, um, and I do put up all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes stuff on there, both like talking about upcoming stuff, like opening up booster packs from Zendikar Rising earlier or whatever, which has been, mm-hmm. been pretty fun, but also like just interviewing people from Wizards. And I put up an episode, maybe I don't know when this episode of Leaving a Legacy is going to come out, but I'll just say it was like a month ago or so, probably by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. of uh, me and Ethan Fleischer, where Ethan Fleischer goes through his story collection, and Ethan mm-hmm. owns almost every single magic book ever written. Wow. Um, and he has wow. them all in one place. And it is just amazing to see him skitter from bookshelf to bookshelf and point at every single book. He, like, opens up a comic bookshelf, pulls out, like, all the old Armada comics, and, like, yes. he pulls out, from one point, the Chandelar Player's Guide, <laughs> right, like, the, for the PC game Chandelar. <laughs> there is so much cool stuff in there. I think especially for a lot of you leg- legacy listeners who probably have deep roots in magic, I know for me it was, like, I was smiling. I actually... I got the video from Ethan. I watched it twice. Like I was smiling the whole time, um, just seeing all this cool stuff he had. So once again, if you have three minutes, just go look it up. It's on my YouTube channel. It's easy to find. And um, 
it's it just cool to see this kind of history of magic splayed out before you in a single video. Definitely. I'm looking at your uh, at your your YouTube page now. You've put out a ton of video. I knew you were doing videos, but I didn't realize how many you've made. Like, I mean, there are they basically yeah. daily. I'm up to 77, I think, as of this recording. Wow. Um, I do them three days a week. When at the very beginning, I started off doing them five days a week. And eventually it was like, look, I just I know I'll make better content if I do it three days as opposed to five days, Mm -hmm. because as you both know, making this stuff is not easy. I mean, a podcast is a ton of work already. And then you add in the video component to that. And that is just a whole new level. Um, It's also a very interesting field because um, podcasts, I've done podcasts for a long time. You've done podcasts Mm -hmm. for a long time. I mean, I was on MTG cast back in like, you know, 2000 and four like i you know i was i did 100 plus episodes but the weird thing about podcasts is in general podcasts are like yeah you just talk you make them as long as you want and you mm-hmm. talk and it's great right where video is exactly the opposite video is <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> if you if you linger for one second too long someone will leave yeah they will click out of your thing and you will never see them again and so it is like this careful art of making like these tight compact little videos and um, it's been really fun. Yeah, so I put out episodes three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, going behind the scenes on magic design and what we do at Wizards. And um, I've had a lot of really cool stuff on there so far. And I have some pretty fun stuff in the future. And I can't say anything quite yet, except for... A, <laughs> See, except even, for, even when you're doing personal projects. <laughs> except for, yeah, around Commander Legends, you will want to stay tuned to my channel. And that is, uh, that is all I will say for that right now. But there's some pretty cool... Uh, stuff coming down the pipe there. Excellent. I did put, I did, uh, f- I found that video with Ethan Fleischer and I will put it in the show notes for this week's episode. So if, if you guys check out the show notes, you can find a link to that video. And I'll also put his, his YouTube channel in there as well because there's quite a lot of stuff in there. So you, you guys want to check it out for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I often people are just looking for great behind the scenes stuff. They're like, what's yeah. going on? And, and it's been a great time to do it. Also, I mean, speaking of the, our, our format we talk about here, Legacy and Vintage. Um, I've done a couple episodes talking about that. I, I did an episode about three fun legacy decks to play, nice. um, which was pretty cool. I, I called out one of my favorite new legacy decks, which is the blue black ninjas deck. Yeah. I've had a chance playing with this Jerry's one. Jerry's a fan of that one. That, it's a sick <laughs> deck. And it's like deck. a, it's like a tier one deck. It's like the top three most played legacy decks on magic online right now, which is crazy. <laughs> before, yeah. before COVID, uh, we actually had the blue black ninjas deck on. So we were running, um, the Leaving Legacy opens. There were like these pretty, pretty well attended opens in our one of our local game stores, Gavin. That we would, that Jerry and I would stream. And uh, Blue Black Ninjas was definitely on camera more than once during those opens. And I'm hoping that uh, when we get back to uh, Paper Magic, we'll see it again. Yeah, it, yeah, it's super, it's super sweet. I mean, so I made the video for um, Gen Con online, which I don't know if you had the chance to play in. And right now, as we record this, I don't know when the episode will come out, but right now, as we record this, Pax Online is going on and will for like the next week or so. And um, a great thing that we're doing for these events is actually if you sign up for them and play on Magic Online, you just get access to every Vintage and Legacy card. Insane. Which is amazing, right? It's just like sign up, no barrier to entry. If you've ever wanted to play Legacy, this is the time to do it. So um, once again, I don't know when the episode's going up. The time may have already passed. But I'm sure this has gone so well for Gen Con Online. And early reports are it's going really well for PAX Online, too. So if it continues, definitely the next big event, whatever it is, PAX Unplugged or, or something, mm-hmm. um, pay attention because it's a really great chance to go and play your favorite legacy deck without having to acquire anything for it. Yeah, um, super cool. So it's pretty cool. Having the flexibility of Magic Online and the ability to put any deck together, it just allows like trial decks to be so much easier. Like, oh, I, w- I kind of want to play this deck, but I don't know if I want to commit to it. And then, oh, I have it here. Let me just jam some games. Like, 
yeah. the, the flexibility that provides in a format like legacy and vintage is you, know, you can't put words to it just how important that is and you know what a what an amazing experience it is to be able to just have all of magic at your fingertips yeah I, i've been super impressed by the event so definitely go check them out and yeah if you go play my sweet uh, blue black ninjas deck i posted a deck <laughs> list i think in my video i did on it so i talked about three decks I talked about blue black ninjas um, death and taxes because it's just a classic, right? Yep. And then uh, green black depths because I like that deck a lot too. Awesome. So. Um, now I know you can't really talk about anything else in the uh, the product release other than just the names that were spoiled. Um, but what we can talk about because the spoilers have started coming out is Zendikar Rising. Yeah, I think everything's out now, right? Yeah. So uh, let's let's chat awesome. about it. Uh, and I'm going to go back on what I just said. One thing I just gonna, I'm going to come out. Uh, the party mechanic is a clear plant for the Dungeons and Dragons set. I like that is that you, you, you cannot tell me that is not a, a little seeding of uh, some some themes and mechanics for uh, sets to come. <laughs> My lips are sealed. <laughs> nice. Nice try. me. <laughs> Um, so the Zendikar mechanic, uh, Zendikar, I feel is, has always been one of the most popular, uh, magic sets. And we were talking before about like sets that people always say that are the best draft formats. Zendikar, I always notice is always really top of the list for like best draft formats, best sets to like go back and visit. Um, what was kind of the, the impetus behind, you know, returning the Zendikar? What, you know, what were the flavors you were really trying to capture this time around? Yeah, well, well so, so kind of two things on that. I think it's really interesting to say that about the draft format because I would say that original Zendikar was extremely polarizing. Some people really loved it and some people really did not um, because the format was extremely fast. It was a very, very big break from what people were used to um, in that because the way that Landfall, re- I mean, the way it always works, the, the, the way it especially worked in that format was blocking was for losers because <laughs> just all your creatures were, were always bigger on your turn, right? Because yep. you had all these... Creatures that got plus two, plus two with landfall. Um, so that really led to a fast limited environment. In fact, you know, normally you look through the set and like identify what you thought the limited bombs were. But in fact, the best card you could open up was like Vampire Nighthawk. If you open Vampire Nighthawk, like you were doing laps around the around the table. That and Trusty Machete, just for an idea of like how fast and how much tempo mattered. Where a card like Kalidas, which was a seven mana creature that basically had tap, destroy target creature, like a card that would be a bomb in any other format mm-hmm. was like not very playable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, just for an idea of, of, of how it was. Right. Um, so it was pretty polarizing rise of the Eldrazi though, is certainly one of people's favorite draft uh, formats yep, yep. of all time. Um, so, uh, Zendikar, you know, there's a lot that's gone on there. We've been to Zendikar twice. The Eldrazi showed up the second time and at the end of the first block. And I think what we found when we did battle for Zendikar was that people liked Zendikar they liked what Zendikar was, but they weren't as crazy about an alien invasion. And the second time around, we ended up losing out on a bunch of the fun kind of adventure, the, the Indiana Jones D&D feel of the world, because we had this alien invasion, this battle that was going on. So with Zendikar Rising, our real thing that we wanted to do was pull it back to that adventure feel, which is honestly where the party mechanic came from. It was like, hey, the original idea was... Uh, of original Zendikar was this kind of like D&D adventure setting. Let's get a party in here and let's look at, at the various um, classes we're going to use for that. And actually, once again, as you can hear all about in a video I made, uh, we, we looked at even five classes at one point, um, but uh, we ended up doing doing four. Um, I- we looked at... 
Oh yeah, go I ahead. was going to say I recently had my heart broken because I thought I was breaking the party mechanic because <laughs> I thought changelings counted for every member of the party because they're a changeling. Yeah, and I was in- you and about six thousand other magic players simultaneously around the world. <laughs> and I was informed to the contrary, and I was very upset. <laughs> It's, it's almost like we thought about it for a second. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, seriously, we, we, we talked about it, but it was very clear, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't let a single changeling power up all your party cards to maximum potential. And especially some silly especially when there's a one colorless mana, one, one changeling. So it's right. just like, right. turn one, all my, all my party mechanics are at full power. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, we try to get back to that a little bit this time, and... You know, there's an interesting thing to straddle, though, because it's like, okay, we want to go back to the adventure world of the, of the first setting, but we don't just want to do the first set again, right? It, we could have very easily been like, okay, well, we're just going to do everything Zendikar did the first time. We're going to make traps. We're going to do quests. We're going to do um, allies. We're going to do landfall. We just make it all the same mechanics, but then it would also not feel very fresh. Mm-hmm. And so it was like finding the right balance of what's new and what's old. I think the party mechanic does that really, really well with hey, it, you kind of get a lot of the feel that you got before of like collecting your allies, but you're looking at it in a different way than before, where now you're looking at like trying to find four different creature types as opposed to just one creature type. And um, there's uh, some stuff we did in, in that regard that I think plays out pretty well. So uh, time will tell on, on how it turns out. I know certainly for legacy players, the uh, box toppers are going to be a big point of discussion, right? Oh, a lot yeah. of sweet ones hanging out yep. in there. You have all the fetch lands, for example. Ooh. Um, Which was also wild, by the way. I couldn't, I couldn't believe you guys had all Ted Fetchlands. That was and, very, very and cool. Just, I, and the frames are dope. And not They're just the Fetchlands, too. It's like also Wasteland. Uh, yep. all, right. Also the uh, the dual, the other dual lands, like, the, uh, like Horizon Canopy, Grove of the Burn Willows, mm-hmm. Creeping Tarpit, Celestial Colonnade, and but then Valley. An- ancient Tomb, Strip, strip Mine. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think these are probably some of the best and like, most exciting expeditions since the original expeditions. I agree. I agree 100%. Well, well I guess they're not you know, expeditions. Lands, mm-hmm. lands have a lot of power in that you need them for all your decks, right? Like, mm-hmm. no matter what format you're playing, you're going to need lands. You often, if you're not playing commander, you need them in four of quantities. So it's it's pretty easy to make lands a theme that people, people will want to pick up because lands just are the most important cards in a lot of decks. I mean, it doesn't get talked about as such, but land, lands are so crucial. And... Uh, you know, one cycle that I wouldn't expect to get mentioned here because they're total duds for Legacy, but um, that I'm really happy we could reprint were the Battle Bond Dual Lands, the Sea of Clouds cycle yeah. mm-hmm. showed up in here. And those are cards which are actually, you know, kind of tricky to find a repl- reprint spot for. And um, that's a really cool thing. We were able to get them in this set as kind of a new take on the Expeditions too. because last time in Battle for Zendikar, we did a lot of this stuff, but, um, you know, you, you saw a lot of the same lands there. But to do that, that's like a big cycle that we were able to do here for the first time, which uh, got me really excited. Yeah, it is awesome. And also, not just the expeditions, but another set of lands in the set were super, super interesting to me. And it's the, uh, what are they, what's the official nickname? Flip lands, like double face lands. The, the pathways. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the pathways is, the, is what we th- were thinking people would call them because they all have this, they the, the same name, the name pathway. But who knows? I mean, we're going to kind of see where the dust settles on this. Right. Um, can I just say these are, so 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 close to being legacy playable if you if you guys had made these fetchable like i yeah 100 would see legacy decks running these as either like an alternative for uh for dual lands or even just some decks might run it over a dual land depending on the situation 
I, I, I when we talked about this set uh, during our set review, uh, our kind of our set preview, I guess. I I definitely said that this was a very interesting design space that you guys chose for these lands. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, we've actually had this idea for a very long time. I know Mark Rosewater has talked about it for ages of the land you can play on either side. Um, and for a while, we were kind of in this thing of like, well, we're not going to make anything that's ever better than an island, right? So we're just never going to make this card because it's better than an island, it's, you could say in quotation marks, except mm-hmm. not really because there's so much hate for non-basic lands running around and there's all kinds of reasons why you might not do that, right? It's, it's not better than an island when suddenly Blood Moon comes down or Wasteland sure. is on the battlefield and it, and it ruins your day. Um, so when we started playing with them, uh, you know, a big thing was we wanted to make sure they weren't too onerous to use because that was with the modal double-faced cards, the kind of new double-faced card technology we're seeing in Zendikar Rising. There was some concern about, like, would this be kind of frustrating to, like, you have to think about what the other side of the card is in your hand. It turns out it was totally fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it, the lands were just a natural fit. They made a lot of sense. I know there was discussion about land types, but ultimately it was not felt like, like they were, like it was needed to make them an exciting cycle. And I mean, I didn't think these cards are going to see a ton of standard play. Yep. They're really, really powerful. I think they'll see modern play as well. Whether or not they, they see legacy play, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Maybe they'll see a little bit of legacy play. I don't know if they'll see a ton of legacy play just because mana bases are already so constrained on options. Well, it's, um, you just have so many different choices, too. Like, there have been so many, like, really, really close, uh, uh, like, mana fixing lands for le- that legacy has to choose from that it's hard to kind of, like, crack into that upper echelon. Um, right. I mean, the, the, the dual land fetch land mana base is just so hard to break into. Yeah. It's just, it, 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 we're, I mean, in modern, we're going to see the same thing. I mean, these are probably pioneer play. We'll see some modern play, but not, you know, less just because of that dual land fetch land mana base. It is just so hard to break into that field because when you're, when you can play a few lands in your deck and just be able to hit whatever color you want, I mean, it, it, it's difficult. And that's part of why with pioneer, you know, we made sure the fetch lands weren't in it. Because it really does make decks, for better or worse, feel soupy sometimes. And at least in Legacy, you have a lot of the punishing stuff you need. You have the Wastelands and stuff rolling around yep. to help make sure that you can punish people for that. But, you know, in Modern, um, you do see some of that soup show up sometimes. You have to be really careful of it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, well, we also have a ton of questions that I want to make sure we get to. Uh, Pat, was there anything else? All right, let's do it. All right, let's, let's get right into it. Pat, do you have uh, the Patreon questions? You want- you want to go? The, yeah, go to the Discord first. Yeah, okay. yeah do, um, do the Discord ones first. All right, cool. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Oh, one of the things I thought was really neat um, was from our our friend Darkview, and he's he was he's I mean, obviously there's something you that you probably don't make the decision on, but you know it wouldn't hurt to get in your ears um, about you know can Legacy get an advisory group the way Commander has the uh, Commander advisory group? Is that something that has ever kind of come up in conversation? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so right for those who aren't familiar. There's the Commander Advisory Group, which uh, works with the Commander Rules Committee to help figure out what's going to happen in that format. Now, the Rules Committee still makes, makes all the decisions, ultimately, but the CAG, the advisory group, um, gives, them, gives them additional thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's a really unique situation because the Rules Committee is for people who are external to Wizards. I mean, Commander is a format really like no other, where like, there's there's external group kind of choosing what gets banned, what doesn't get banned. Mm-hmm. Inside Wizards, it's a lot different, right? We have a lot of people. We have access to all the data. It's a competitive format, so we can look at this kind of stuff with an eye towards everything thing that we're doing. Um, you know, we do have some people that we do solicit opinions from who are not who do not work at Wizards on this kind of stuff. Um, 
I'm not going to name anybody because often they prefer to be a little quiet, quiet about it. Of and, course, and yeah. I'm honestly not. I'm honestly not part of the group, um, so I don't know exactly exactly how everything works. Um, and we're always willing to listen to opinions. You know, people will send in send in their thoughts and and let us know. Um, I I certainly don't want to claim to be like we know magic better than the legacy community does because I, I think don't think that that's a reasonable claim to make. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I can't say that um, for sure. But we, we do have access to a ton of information that I think could be, create some difficult conversations. Because in Commander, it's like it's a very different format than a one-on-one competitive game, mm-hmm. um, right? There are things that, that the rules committee is going to care about how they're shaping the format. Where with us, we can see like all of the format health, and we can look at you know all the data of how things are firing or not firing. So um, I don't know if it's been talked about. It's an interesting idea. I can see a lot of challenges with doing it, and I'll think about it. What, what I would, would encourage people to do though is the number of times where I've been contacted by a player and been like, hey hear my really strong opinions about legacy, you just pass this upward. And then I've passed those thoughts upward is really high. And hmm. sometimes nothing happens, but sometimes things do happen. A great example from, um, for me with this is Popper. The Popper community is really, really vocal, and they do a great job of letting me know thoughts on the format. And I have passed their thoughts up ahead, uh, above many times, and that's caused change to happen. Um, so with legacy, I really encourage you, if you have things that you really, really want to see and you think you have the data and stuff to back it up, send it to me and we'll take a look into it. Yeah. With the caveat, of course, that if I suddenly get 100 requests from people, <laughs> I can't feel that. So really, introspect with it within yourself. Think, is this a request worth making? <laughs> um, because, you know, if you just have, a, if like Jim at your shop plays, um, I don't know, mono black rack and you just get mad about losing that every time, there's not going to ban the rack, okay? Um, but think about it. Talk with other people. See if you can get a consensus or any kind of like written letter or something, and then consider mm-hmm. sending it to me. Okay. Um, and I will also say very openly that if you send something to me and it looks like you put your time into it and that it's a reasonable argument, I will read it. And if you send something to me, and I'll pass it upward probably. If you send something to me and it looks like you're complaining about Jim at the store with his rack deck, <laughs> I will probably say I'll probably not do much with it at all part so, of <laughs> so so pat you know to put, think about so it so pat keep in mind you know don't send gavin your pochinko argument <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what someday i'll pitch it someday i'll pitch it when i have the, all the details worked out um now's right, the well, time what is it what, what's going on <laughs> so have you ever gone it's a reserve list thing you're not going to want to hear about it I'm have you ever sure. gone to a bingo night where they have the big like spinning spinning uh basket full of numbers <gasps> all right i know i'm gonna i, feel, I'm gonna, I feel like I, I feel like I already know everything I need to know. And you can move so spinning basket full of reserve lists, and I'll, I'll let your imagination, you know, go from there. All right. So, yeah, um, yeah listen, I, I know when I know when my thoughts aren't wanted. OK, thank you. Including all, right. all the terrible uh, ones. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll put you in touch with my lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Norjask, uh, he said, um, let's see. Uh, what are some of your favorite cards in the new set? And was the party mechanic something that was thought of before, after, or because of the decision, the decision to do a D&D set? <laughs> Everyone's trying to just catch Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can at, at least the first half you can certainly talk about your favorite cards from the Zendikar set. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say that we knew we wanted to do party for Zendikar Rising before the D&D set was 100% locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, because we just thought it was the right thing for the set. Right, it's, it's it makes it so much sense. Honestly, set. it's a return to D and D adventure world, and what is yeah. more D and D adventure world than um, you know a mechanic that calls it out in particular? So, um, yeah, th- that that was locked in um, 
or something that was being tried out at least before the, the deities that came on people's radars. As far as my favorite cards in the set, there's so many. Um, I have to say the cards that interest me the most are the land spells, the things that are lands on one side and spells mm, on the other. Yeah, those are cool. Because I don't know that I have seen a cycle of cards, or not even a cycle, but like a grouping of cards that has inspired so much discussion, even from the best players in the world, about how good they are, how bad they are, um, how many lands you should cut if you're playing them, like how you can do wild things. Like they just have caused so much interesting discussion mm-hmm. um, in a way that I've never seen it before. And you know, a question I've got a lot and, and actually answered in one of my videos was, if I'm playing limited and I'm playing these, what should I do with, it with my mana base? And the fact that that's a question is just so interesting. And it's not mm-hmm. an easy answer. Like there's a lot of things you have to think about. Um, which I cover in my Prudy's Primer video. Just so, um, so uh, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, hey, it's content creation, right? Hey, absolutely, absolutely. So um, there is, I think there's just, just creates so many interesting questions, and I cannot wait to see how they play out. I know I'm going to be playing with a bunch of them, and I'm curious to see what everyone thinks about them. So those, I think, just from like my head, which is like a game design standpoint. I'm so curious to see how, how those cards in particular end up playing yeah. out. It's, cool. it's, it reminds me of like when Scry first came out or Cycling first came out and people were talking about like anytime you get like the math nerds really interested in how like it's going to change the statistics of their deck, like you know that's a deep mechanic. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, like the, especially when we, I mean literally we just did Aquaria, which has Cycling 1. And that inspires certainly a lot of discussion about how much Cycling 1 you can play and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. But these are in a totally different category, right? You can just play them as lands, and uh, and that's the whole thing. So I'll be very excited to see how these turn out. And yeah, maybe we'll have a you know no no uh, basic land deck that's just like no no non basic lands, no basic lands, <laughs> only double faced, uh, <laughs> only these double faced cards. Uh, blood I blood saw moon is putting a, a mono red deck around like this, which is pretty interesting. Sixty spells. Blood moon gets emergency printed into standard. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I tell you my favorite? Can I tell you my favorite card in the set? And I would like to hear about some of the uh, the if you have any perspective on the design behind the card. And I've said this I think on on two straight podcasts, so I'm sure I'm going to get ripped apart for talking about it again. But it's it's spoils of adventure. Uh, it's absolutely my favorite card from the set, only because it has you know it's got the obviously the party mechanic, the party mechanic reduction in it, where you can essentially reduce it to a, a white and a blue for basically a healing salve and ancestral recall. And I I want to know like you know. Were those cards considered in the design of the card when it was made? I assume they must have been. And, and like, who designed that card? Because I just want to give them a high five. Because I really, out of all the cards in the set, that one like really stuck out to me as being really neat. Uh, well, first of all, this is why we can't have changes when working with party. Okay, just, just so we're very clear here. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> Changelings might be might be a little too much. As far as who made it, um, you know, I actually I just have my database open here in my other window. Let me just look it up. Give me a moment. This is this is special having Gavin on your show. Power, yeah, you can't very cool. Because <laughs> Jerry knows I I call this card out the last podcast we had and uh, how much I love the card. I'll see if there's a note in here about it. I think if they make a giant card of this, I'm going to find it and track it down and get it. <laughs> Should get the OG art. See if the art's for sale. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I'm looking at it there. Aren't um, there aren't really many notes? My guess would be this was a card that was created by a group design. Mm. Where they're just looking at, hey, we need a blue white party reward. What is the thing we're gonna make? And it's a pretty natural design once you get there. Like, 
What's a white thing? Healing solve. What's a blue thing? Yeah. Drawing three cards. All right. <laughs> Ship it. It's Let's just do like, it. You know? But it just goes so. back to like, you know, that original like one mana for three of something like the giant growth, dark ritual, lightning bolt cycle that I just I something about it just really struck a chord with me. And I just wanted to tell you from my perspective, it's just my favorite card in the set. I just think it's so neat. Oh, I'm really glad to hear it. Yeah, I, I actually that card grabbed me a lot, too. And frankly, I would not be surprised if it sees a little bit of standard play as well. It's, it's yeah. a, when you can get that discount on party, whew, that is a powerful card. Three even cards, like, a lot of cards. Down to, <laughs> and even just like at four mana, like Harmonize has been plenty playable traditionally. Mm-hmm. So like Harmonize plus gain three life is reasonable. So will it see play? I don't know, but I, I do like the card design a lot. Yeah, I'm a big very fan. neat. Very neat. Big fan. Big fan. Love the art. Everything about it is fantastic. So home run on that. Um, all right. I think there was. Let's see. I, I, I just want to say I, I'm still disappointed. I don't get to play a turn two Zagras. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to do is just go turn one Changeling, turn two Zagras, hit you for four. <laughs> I'm sorry, we have ruined your fun. <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, this is legacy. We're gonna play this legacy. Black red beatdown's <laughs> uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it'd be like the slash panther of legacy or something. Yes, I have, I have one more from the Discord, and this is uh, this is since we, we since we've let you plug a couple of times, I'm going to plug once for the for the podcast uh, via one of our listeners. J Mang asks, ask Gavin if we can get a legacy relevant spoiler for Old Border in in Time Spiral Remastered, and he says, please be ponder or thoughts these would be sick too. So if you want to send us a spoiler, I don't even think that's part of your job, but uh, we would be happy to spoil one so that's from yeah, our, well, our I mean, buddy jay <laughs> i think you know given your history with the game and your affiliation with legacy format and the fact that you you are literally part of the reason why we're getting old frame cards <laughs> i think you totally have a, a pretty reasonable request i'm not the person who handles it but uh, you should reach out to blake rasmussen and he's the guy that makes the preview plans and i i mean i'm not i'm not gonna give you any guarantees seriously <laughs> I, I have no idea what he's got planned for the set but i would reach, reach out to him and um I feel like there is a pretty good chance you'll be able to get something. Absolutely no guarantee, but um, I would like to think that he can help you out I'll, there. I'll talk so, to Blake. But I would do it sooner rather than later because as, you know, it's not just the sets that we make early. We make all these preview plans and stuff of course, pretty far in advance yeah. too. So yeah. I would talk with him sooner rather than later about it. I will yep. I will email Blake tonight. I will get on that, Jay. <laughs> uh, should we power through these Facebook questions? Yeah, yeah get into the Facebook ones because right, I know, I'm sure you have right, a let's do bunch it. Let's, of them. Let's, let's real do snappy. It. Uh, all right, who's Erica wants to know who's got the best beard at Watsy? I think I think it's you now, Gavin. <laughs> it's a commanding yeah, beard, I have to say. Uh, yeah. And it, well, it depends on what you define as best. Like some people apparently on Twitter keep telling me I have the best beard magic, and I think their definition of best beard is most looks like he was in the mountains for six months. <laughs> um, you, you know, if you want to talk about like actual best beard, it might be like. Um, Pleasant Kenobi or something like that because he like actually grooms his beard. It looks really good, right? He's got like a great look going there. Mine is just like by girth, and there's a lot more to a beard than than girth. Um, but I, it might very well be me. Um, yeah, excellent. No, <laughs> just you know, take take your victories. You know, don't be humble. You got the best beard. <laughs> I mean, also, I, I haven't been. I mean, I haven't seen anyone else. Uh, I haven't seen everyone. So there's some other folks like Alex Green's got a pretty great beard. He's a person I'm sure you've never heard of, but he's great. Um, this guy named Don Maddox sometimes has a totally amazing beard, but he might have shaved it off. So I don't know. I don't know where uh, where everyone is at right now, but I can tell you what I look like, which uh, is gnarly. It's at, like I said, 43-year-old hobo is where we're at about right now. So Nice. 
Uh, Zach Kirby wants to know what has led to the new decisions to deviate from the traditional color ply, uh, color pie, like white getting scry, get black getting enchantment removal, and green being the best color, <laughs> which is apparently a deviation from traditional. <laughs> well, it's funny, right? If you played back in like Tempest era, if you were playing green, it was a joke. It was like <laughs> you're playing green, you're just gonna lose. So, I mean, I know it's hard to imagine now, but there were a lot of times where green was just uh, horrible. Um, you know, we're just always evolving the game, right? There's always new things we're trying out and new color pie directions we're taking it in. With white, like, as I think many people who have been involved in social media know, like, white has been the t- subject of much discussion. How are we going to make white better? Um, not just in Commander, which is, of course, a popular place where it's discussed, but even in competitive formats like Standard and Pioneer and, and Modern and Historic and stuff like that. So um, we're doing a lot there. We kind of looked at it as color pie, and um, it doesn't get ramp or card draw, which are two pretty big pieces of magic. And what can we do to help it out there? So we've got some ideas coming in that vein. Um, and when it comes to black enchantment removal, yeah, we just looked at the color pie. And, we, and it's not like we want to give black a ton of enchantment removal or anything. But simply, like, if you look at the color pie, it looks like this. White can destroy artifacts and enchantments, but is, like, a little better at destroying enchantments. Uh, red can destroy artifacts, but not enchantments. Blue can bounce things and can steal them. Green can destroy artifacts and enchantments, but is a little better at destroying artifacts. Um, and black can do neither. And it's like, wait a second, something doesn't add up here. And when you just look at it around, it, it's pretty clear that... Bl- or I don't want to say it's clear, but it makes sense that black can deal with um, enchantments but not artifacts as like a mirroring of red. Right. Because a big problem that you would keep, keep running into is like black-red would have no answers for enchantments yes. in, in the color pie at all, which is, which is a big one. And whenever we would do a set like Theros... It was really, um, really dramatically limiting that it, that black just couldn't touch that part at all, um, right? Well, that, so even with uh, let, so with we, we we kind of started thinking about about that, and adding that in with uh, I think there was a sacrifice card in in Theros. Now we're kind of playing with it a little bit more in Zendikar Rising, and we'll see what happens ultimately. You know, it's possible we'll try this out, and it's, it's not the right decision to go down. But I think um, I think it's gonna be good to broaden the color pie in this way. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So. Black Red Reanimator is a very popular legacy deck, and they splash green to deal with enchantments because, you know, they just don't have a way to deal with it. And turns out there are a lot of graveyard hate enchantments that you need to deal with as a uh, reanimator deck. (laughs) So green has always been a traditional splash for, like, Abrupt Decay to give them those answers. So it is right now. You can just play red, black, and pay four life to kill off their uh, Layla in the Void or whatever. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. None. Uh, this next one is very much a give a mouse a cookie and he'll ask for a glass of milk. So, Gavin, with Chalice and select other cards getting the old border treatment, when and slash can we get an old border, completely old border master set? <laughs> 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 they already want a full master set. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, buy lots if of you like <laughs> If you like old border stuff, buy Times Bar Remastered. Yep. Like, let's show this thing is awesome. Especially, like, if this thing... You know, does gangbusters during while we're in quarantine, if we're in still quarantine in March, which I would love to believe isn't true. But at this point, you know, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations. If this thing does gangbusters while we're all inside, that's going to say a lot. So seriously, go play it. Draft it when it hits magic online. Um, just just play and, and pick up the set. Show the world that you want that. And if yes. trust me, if I know something about how about how we make magic sets, if people want this, you will see more of it. 
So um, my idea, my suggestion is to take pictures of you throwing all the other cards out of the pack except for the old border ones and send those videos directly to Watsy. <laughs> Just do I'm a, joking, I'm joking. Do a box but, I'll be like, wow, this is a great box, but I only got uh, 32 cards in this box. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Uh, I, I cannot wait for you. I This is one of the hardest parts of my job right here. I'm on this show. With the two people who maybe two people who care the most about the old frame cards, I know them all. You know that they exist now. It's not like I'm just keeping a secret. I don't have to talk about yeah. it. It's like you know this is going to happen, and I'm just sitting over here imagining your face as you crack open a box and see some of these cards. We'll, oh, we'll have to. So we'll have to do it, it on stream, so Jerry. We're gonna. We're definitely. We already talked about buying a case of this for, to split between the two of us. So we're gonna have to crack a box on stream for all the listeners. The the thing that I was talking about with some friends the other day that I almost missed is back in the old days it, before the internet was not knowing what was in sets before they actually came yeah, out. Like, yeah. I mean, and, like Iconic Masters was awesome, so we were at Hascon. Very, that was super fun. Yeah, that we, was super fun. We were at Hascon where we were the first ones to draft uh, Iconic Masters and the first yep. ones to see it, and that was awesome. And I feel like yep. that would be amazing for these old border cards. Like I almost don't even want to look at spoilers until it comes out because I want to see like <laughs> what the old border cards are when I just crack them in the pack. I think the biggest miracle I have ever crafted in my time at Wizards, or at least one of the biggest ones, and maybe one of the ones the biggest ones I'll ever craft is the mystery booster release. Mm. The event that you could play in mm-hmm. with the entire set was like no one knew what was about to mm-hmm. happen to them when they opened up those packs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. Like being in that room, seeing people crack open their boosters, not know what was going on. Like I, you will, you will never see something like that again. Because <laughs> let me tell you, that was extremely <laughs> difficult to pull off. And I am shocked nothing leaked. Yeah. Um, but it was that was a really cool. Moment. That's, That's fantastic, awesome. fantastic. Um, so let's see what's next. <laughs> this one's a bit tongue in cheek, but with the releases Endicar Rising and all these awesome supplemental products, the question on everyone's mind is: When are we going back to Ravnica? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'll put it this way. Are we going to go back to Ravnica someday? Without a doubt. We will definitely see Ravnica again. People love Ravnica. I do think that last year we probably burned people out on it a little mm-hmm. bit, right? We have three sets. Um, and so let's give it a little bit of a breather, but uh, we'll get back there eventually. Nice. Uh, some of these we already kind of answered. Uh, I'll give Luke Murphy this uh, shout out. He wants to know when we get a Wild West theme set. Which <laughs> I I would love a Wild West theme set. I've wanted one for a long time. I feel the hardest thing with Wild West theme set is I feel Magic traditionally shies away from guns. Like yeah, we have Goblin Sharpshooter, yep. but like that is very much an exception to the rule. There, there's a handful of, of Magic cards depicting guns, but it's definitely not. We don't have a lot of them, right? Well, so. I, I remember when. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think though, I think there's a lot of ways. This is me putting on my. I'm going to argue for this hat. Yep. I think there are a lot of ways you could do a Wild West set without needing guns. Hmm. Like, there's plenty of magic analogs. Like, okay, you don't have guns. You just, like, shoot fire from your hands. Done. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff you can do. Like, imagine if... Just picture this in your head. You take... You're with your enemy. You're in, like, a, a, a Wild West duel. You take six paces back to each other, like, in the Western movies, right? You turn around, and, like, one person throws a fireball, and the other person throws, like, an ice ice shard, right? That's awesome. That's pretty That's cool. That's so cool. Um, and, yeah, I, I, maybe that'll happen someday. I feel like, given infinite time, magic is going to cover all of these things. It's just a question of when, mm-hmm. and um, 
don't know when this one's going to happen, but I'll be excited when it does. That, that's pretty sweet. Maybe awesome. it's just because I just uh, binged this on Netflix, but I also got very a lot of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender uh, vibes from that mental image. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, Andrew Waters wants I don't know if anyone is asking for this but he wants white border reprints I'm just going to put that out there <laughs> no he is not alone mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who want, want white border reprints um, that's another thing on my list now we'll see if it happens uh, it's uh, <laughs> I, I, it, it is a, admittedly a tough sell I'm but sure, it's not yeah. impossible um, Vic wants to know uh, if humans are going to be roughly 20% of all, cr- all creatures, is it proper for them to have tribal lords when the only mechanical thing that they have in common is that they're all human? Is, it, is, is human the tribe with the least tribal identity? Probably. Okay. I, I, mean, <laughs> pro, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, humans show up on most planes yep. and in every color. And there isn't like a huge identity to them or anything like that. But, you know, they're kind of just like the... I mean, for no pun intended, the everyman yeah. of the set. <laughs> um, but with that said, like when we, when we make our human tribal lords and stuff, we do take that into account, you know, that, that they're easier to get copies of and there's a lot of stuff there we have to do around them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think I think we're conscientious of that, but it's not like humans are going to go away from the game. So, uh, yeah, I think we just have to keep that in mind. Definitely. Um, I'm going to summarize a couple people's questions here because a couple people were asking about it, but... Um, What's Wizards' official stance towards power creep? Like, do you recognize power creep? Do you, like, have conversations about it? Is it something, you know, that's at the forefront of your minds after, like, 2019 and early 2020? You know, what what's kind of Wizards' approach to that? Yeah, you know, I think magic has done a lot over its nearly 30-year history. And some areas of the game have gotten more powerful, and some areas of the game have gotten less powerful. And we also keep things kind of just, like, going around... Um, on what we call an Escher staircase, which is like this kind of famous staircase where it always looks like you're walking up even though you're going around in a square. And so it's usually about like what we elevate in different years. Now, I'm not going to say that we haven't pushed some stuff recently, especially like Companion, you know, the elephant in the room. Obviously, that was uh, that mechanic turned out very, very strong. There's been a number of cards that turned out very, very strong. Um, so it's very much at the forefront of our mind. We want to make sure that we don't power creep because ultimately like magic success, success is very very important, and if we power creep out of all the old cards, we want to be careful about that. Um, you know, also there's a lot of cards that were really strong back in the day that we don't make cards like anymore, like Swords of Plowshares or Counterspell. You know, you haven't seen those show up. So, it's powerful in different ways. Um, there's still a lot of ways that magic is evolving, and we, and we just keep power creep at the forefront of our mind. Um, and are you going to see cards in the future that are really powerful? Absolutely. Um, but we're not going to try and make the game so that the old cards can't be used or anything like that. Awesome. Good. I like that. Yeah, I think the Escher staircase is probably the best way to think about it. You know, if you just kind of like seesaw topsy-turvy and going in all these different directions, like when one side goes up, the other side goes down, and Mm -hmm. you kind of just rotate around. Um, It does... Right, like, if I I was to ask you, you know, I know a a lot of people have misgivings about the companion standard format, and granted it was, you know, it was a wonky one, but if I was to ask you, like... Which of these standard formats is the most powerful? Fairy standard format, Cobblade standard format, uh, or Companion standard format. Just to pick like three three examples here, what I would tell you is, I mean, you can like stack rank their power level or whatever, whatever way you want. Mm-hmm. But 
really they're powerful in different ways. Mm, yeah. And that's kind of the, the Escher staircase thing. Like there's different stuff going on in each of them. And even though those are three like heights of standard power where there's like a lot of really, really powerful and, you know, potentially oppressive stuff going on. Um, that they're just all doing very different things. I and mean, what team of reclamation is doing is so different from what fairies is doing, mm-hmm. which is so different from what, um, from what Cobblade is doing. And I, I think there's a lot, a lot of um, important nuance there to think about. And, yeah, the Escher Staircase is one of my favorite a- analogies to think about with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, there's just a ton of just people asking for specific cards, guys. <laughs> I don't think this is Gavin's uh, personal uh, <laughs> sit down and let me take out a notebook. <laughs> but Yeah, if, 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 if you're not making old border requests, you're just not going to get Exactly. Um, does... Oh, does Watsy have any more plans for creating more colorless cards with the colorless diamond symbol? Yeah, I think we'll see more of those. I mean, it's the kind of thing that we introduced into the game. There's always people asking for it. It's just a matter of the right time, especially, you know, for a limited setting. It takes a lot of infrastructure to make those cards work. So, I mean, it's not the kind of thing we're just going to put one Z oven to a set. We're going to have to really build something around it. But I wouldn't be surprised if we did that again at some point in the future as a building block of a set. It's just, it's kind of like, I don't know, snow or something like that, where we brought it back with Cold Snap. Um, you know, we brought it back with uh, Modern Horizons. And uh, I could see us doing something like that again. Definitely. Um, here's something we talked about on the last episode, but I, I think it's definitely worth bringing up again. Matt Dawson wants to know, uh, when it comes to walking the line between rocking the boat and tipping the boat, uh, how do you think uh, Wizards has done in the last three years? And do more bands, erratas play a part in that? Yeah, it's 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 a tough spot, you know. Um, Magic is now more accessible than ever too, thanks to Magic Arena. And when it comes to like standard in particular, so many games are being played. We're we're always pushing and trying to find stuff because sometimes when you play it too safe, like you end up with a format nobody wants to play. Um, but the same thing can happen when you push things to be too powerful. So I think you know we've seen what ha- has happened in the past year or two with stuff like Companions, stuff like Oko. We've put a lot of new processes in place to try and safeguard against them. Obviously, I can't tell you everything is going to be okay with Zendikar Rising and with Kaldheim and Strixhaven and everything because we all think it is, but something could easily go wrong. Um, I just hope that some of the stuff that we have put into place does and that we're kind of out from under the specter of some of these things. And I know that, um, you know, going back to the power level discussion too and power creep, there was a conscious effort to slightly power things up a little bit, and now we've kind of seen the effects of that. I think we're kind of going back down to it to a norm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But um, we never want to tip the boat, of course. Yeah. So uh, we're doing, doing our be- the best we can. With, with that, I think also the, the bands and erratas, because uh, a disadvantage Magic has compared to something like League of Legends or, you know, some of these other like esports that Magic Arena is definitely, you know, in the echelons with is, you know, they get to have these like patches where they can come out and like buff certain things and nerf other things. And, you know, everything's very fluid. They can tweak things. Magic is a paper game. Like once it is printed, right. it's basically binary. You can either play it or you have to ban it. There isn't really much in between room to choose. Do you feel? Yeah, I mean the companions is like the, the the closest we've come to that in a long time. That is a very specific, very special exemption, yep. and I would not expect to see that again. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish we could errata cards. That'd be a lot, a lot easier if we were just an all digital game, but, uh, we're not, and we have to stick to, to how things look. Yeah. Stick to your guns. I, I like James. Did you see James, um, James, what about the two mana planeswalker Nullrod? 
Oh yeah, we can do. James. I thought that was just another like request one, but James wants to know. James wants a, a planeswalker null rod to get printed. Like a two mana null rod or a single man or a one mana planeswalker removal spell. <laughs> I think there's like some things out there that are kind of like one mana planeswalker removal spells. What's that card from um, uh, War of the Spark? One black, remove four or five counters from something. That's like pretty good at killing planeswalkers a lot of the time. Yep. Um, not that it sees any play, but anyway. Yeah, I mean that that could happen. I could see both those things existing. Nice. Like a what about like a nice white two drop, right? Like two mana two two planeswalkers abilities can't be activated. I mean, it's yeah, like white very, white gets all the hate bears. <laughs> white has too many hate bears. Stop printing two mana hate bears. I can't stand it. Uh, we need some hate. We need some hate lions and hate ogres now. Is that what we're looking for? As a combo player, I don't like hate bears because <laughs> they ruin my day. <laughs> Um, I like Dominic's too. Can I just go over Dominic's real quick? Yeah. Because there's obviously so Gavin. I'm sure you're not. You are aware that like the last like you know 18 months or so for Legacy has been tumultuous, and some people have really been fine with the with the the sea change, and other people's you know other people haven't been as much. Um, there's obviously been you know bans in in multiple formats from cards that have been that have come out of standard sets, and and I'm not. I don't think it's it's worthwhile or productive to point fingers and and point blame when like when a lot of these things eventually get get hammered out and solved you know in in the long term. So that's not something that I'm really interested in doing. But obviously, a lot of the questions on the list were kind of talking about you know magic the magic design in the last couple of years and and you know how it's. I mean, I think you guys have done a good job of really making standard exciting um and powerful for people playing standard but obviously there are uh ripple effects in other formats and we've seen that with with a lot of planeswalkers that have come in that have been very powerful creatures that have come in and been very powerful um into legacy and and where we are i'm sure we all three of us and people who are listening are aware of all the all the cards have come out that have that have made big changes but um dominic kind of poses in an interesting way and i think it's probably worth talking about uh, because it's not it's not accusatory, but and it's also not inflammatory. It's really just kind of looking at the big picture. And I'm, I'm going to read it word for word here, and then we can have we can discuss it if we'd like. Um, he, he says legacy power levels had a shift with Innistrad. Obviously, we saw Grizzlebrand, so that's that's the first thing I think of when I think of Innistrad. Delver, yeah, yeah, yeah big time. Um, it seems to have had another power level shift recently with Ikoria. Does Watsy see this as a good thing, a natural progression of a huge format? covering the game's history or is it being viewed as a misstep it's a fair question um you know i think Aquaria was just a high-powered set for a lot of formats like that that set made a huge impact in a lot of places and so it's it's of course going to trickle into legacy in a lot of ways um i don't think there was like a conscious effort to create a bunch of legacy playables in that set in particular or anything like that um you know i'll also say that that different people care about different things. And, um, and Dave Humphreys is usually pretty good about, about thinking about who led design to core is usually pretty good about thinking about eternal formats mm-hmm. and seeding cards in there for eternal formats. Um, so I don't think there was any kind of like big conscious move or anything like that. I think it just kind of happened. And that's, you know, you're going to make a lot of magic sets and in those sets, stuff's going to come out, and some sets are going to really shake up the format. And it's easy to point to, like, oh, there's an intentional choice with Aquaria to really power this thing up. When in reality, it was just, that was the set that did it. And it could have been any set with different levels of power. Um, but, th- yeah, that's the only one that really made a huge impact. So uh, there wasn't any kind of, like, big conscious shift. But I think, I think you know, now, like, so before the set, I wouldn't say there was. Now that we, we, we've seen it happen, 
I think there are people who are conscientious of, oh, we've done a lot to this format recently. And Legacy is always an interesting beast because most Legacy players, and I don't want to over-characterize here because obviously there are many kinds of Legacy players, but in my experience, the general feedback I get is Legacy players want their format to evolve. They don't want it to stay the same forever, mm-hmm. but they also don't want it to change too quickly because you spend a lot of time getting your decks. You spend a lot of time acquiring the cards <laughs> if you need for your decks. Spend a lot of time learning the meta game. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and it's like, oh, it's really cool when a new set comes out. And you're like, oh, here are the two new cool toys for Legacy. It's not as awesome when there's like, here's a set that entirely puts the entire format on its head. Yeah. And so th- I think we've pay- been paying close attention to that. And I can't guarantee you that what we do in the future is going to be perfect. Um, but I can say that we're aware of it, mm. and um, our goal is to not just throw a bunch of grenades into legacy with, uh, without thinking about it all the time. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where that is. And, and, you know, just from like the a legacy player's perspective, like I could never ask, ask, you know, wizards to set to, to power down their standard sets or really, you know, have leg the health of the legacy format in the, in the front of their mind, because that is not, you know, it, it is not, and should not, if they want to keep, keep this game, you know, growing and, and, and releasing new sets, it shouldn't be the thing in the forefront of their mind. Um, and I think, you know, we've, as we've pointed out like multiple times in this podcast and, and the previous podcasts, and the fact that you being here is a testament to this, that you guys are always super willing to listen to feedback and you take into consideration the way people are feeling about formats. And, um, you know, I just think that a lot of legacy players, like it, it, it felt like it started with war of the spark. And then every set was like a handful of cards. It felt like it was you know, kind of turning the format on its head. And I think that like in other formats, like historic or pioneer or even maybe even modern, whereas that would have been like a, a really kind of like a refreshing thing and welcomed and legacy. It almost feels like an, like it has felt like an intrusion. Um, I think, I think a lot of people get, a, uh, get frustrated with the format and stuff and, or, you know, with, with, the, with the way the format's been the last year and a half. And, and I think that, you know, like, like Gavin had said earlier, if people feel very strongly about that and you have actual data to back it up, you know, that aren't just feelings because feelings don't matter. But in this, in this sense, like, but if you have real things to back it up, like it, the, the people at Wizards are always willing to listen to, to the feedback that we have about the format. And that's, that's really, I think, what the, what's most important. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. My other, my, I guess my other question is, like with the sets that have come out, like so we saw War of the Spark, you know, we saw Ikoria, uh, you know, we got we got um Uro from Theros from Theros. Um so we've had a lot of cards come to the format. Like, is it something where you could see and I guess I, I guess you probably can't answer this, but I'm gonna just put it out there anyway. Where you could see like banning like a handful of cards at once, or is it like kind of like the genies out of the bottle and you sort of have to see the format shake out? Uh, you know, six months or a year from now and then make decisions then. I imagine, I imagine that's pretty difficult. Yeah, I, I, it, it is tough. And I'll admit, you know, I'm not on the play design team, so I'm not actually thinking about what we're going to mm-hmm. ban or not. I don't think people are against uh, doing a bunch of bans if they feel it's the right decision. But I will say, though, is in a format like Legacy, we have the time. And while I know that can be frustrating, what it means is we have the time to both see what impact something has and then pick one card, ban it, see how that impacts the format, pick another card, ban it, and so on. Um, because the format the format is going to, it's not going to rotate like standard. It's not like, oh, oh everything's going to get lost if we don't act right now. We have the time to see it and kind of craft it over time. So while certainly we can make multiple changes to legacy at once, there's no reason why we couldn't do mm-hmm. that. Um, unless there's like a huge sweeping problem, I think traditionally um, we're more keen to do, you know, one or two cards at a time. But certainly if, if we, if you know, if play design looks and thinks, oh man, this format really needs these six cards to go or something. 
I don't think they would be against doing that. Um, but once again, it, it's you know a matter of looking at and you, data and, and also sentiment. I mean, I know you said it a second ago, feelings don't matter, but I do want to be really clear. Feelings do mm. matter. I think feelings are really, really important. Mm. And in fact, um, there are many times that I think bannings have happened because of feelings more than data. Mm. Okay. But ultimately, like you have to have both. You can't. We're not just going to ban something without the data. Sure. But we're also not going to ban something if it feels really good. Like there's, you know, if if there's a stand, let's say there's a standard format, and it's a three deck meta game, um, and there's only really three decks you can play, but the entire world's like this format's incredible, mm-hmm. we love it. It's the best standard format ever. We're probably not going to touch anything. And even though the format looks like a little unhealthy by the numbers, if everyone is loving it, that's great. Yeah. Where by the same token, there have been times where th- things are actually really healthy, but certain cards are just really unfun. And it's like, yeah, maybe a lot of decks are getting played, but wow, this is really unfun to play against, and a lot of people are noting how unfun this mm-hmm. is to play against. We're going to take action against mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, I th- and uh, I think an example of this that, that is controversial, maybe, is Reflector Mage. When we banned Reflector Mage in Standard, that was a card that I think a lot of folks um, were like, why did they ban this one too? We banned it when we banned a bunch of yep. other cards. And it was just like, look, no one was enjoying playing against this yeah. card. It was pretty miserable to play yeah. against. Um, it was only showing up in problematic decks. Let's just knock it, and no one's going to be sad about it being mm-hmm. gone. You know, it's an uncommon. Yeah. Um, so we're not against doing it for those reasons. Too. And then I feel the opposite of that. Probably the best example is Brainstorm. You know, by every metric, yeah. by every metric, like Brainstorm yeah, should right. have been banned like decades ago. <laughs> but if you banned Brainstorm, like there would be pitchforks at the door. Yeah. Like, well, some exactly. some people, Rich Spoonholtz, would not be upset about that. But there are others who would be upset. I like. I think if if people are, like will often have this kind of like grotesque thought experiment where it's like, if you could do one thing to kill Legacy what would you do to just destroy the format? And like, without hesitation, I'll always say ban brainstorm. I think ban yeah. brainstorm would just be like the nail in the coffin. Like, like legacy would never be the same again. And I think we would lose a ton of players because of it. Absolutely. Right. That, that's a perfect example. Absolutely. Great one. The card is clearly too strong, or at least to me, it mm. is. it's too strong, but it is to me, it is the card of the format. It's a place you can go play brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really cool. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you fielded that question, Gavin, because I, I I don't want to put you in. I, I don't have. We don't ask you to come on to be adversarial with you. We really <laughs> like having you on, and and uh, but that is a question that I think when 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 you come that as you came on, a lot of people posed that question, and I think we wouldn't have been doing them, doing them, you know, uh, doing a disservice by not at least at least you know kind of putting it up there. And and I appreciate you, uh, your thoughts on that. And uh, and I think again, like it's. Thing, things will things will evolve and and I just again I appreciate you, you answering that. Um, uh, how sweating are you? sweating bullets under crosstalk? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean you know you know for for me it's like I'm not on the plate of yeah. 19 when it comes to banning cards. <laughs> I didn't make I, mean, I didn't know. make these decisions. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm always happy to relay information and like I'll talk to the play design team and I'll hear what's going on. But for me in particular, that's not so much my mm-hmm. job, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, it, this is all good stuff to hear, and I certainly have thoughts about it. But I'll, I'll make sure to talk with them too and just mention like, hey, the legacy community has a lot of feelings about mm-hmm. this, and just make sure that it's on their radar. But I'm pretty, I'm sure, yeah, I, <laughs> I would think that it is. Um, Andrew Black asks, this is kind of a personal question, but how are you? How are you and the Watsi team coping with the pandemic? And do you have any tips for people who are uh, trying to get by being quarantined or working from home? Yeah, if you find yourself with too much time in a pandemic, I highly recommend making a video series three days a week. <laughs> you will quickly find yourself with no extra time. Um, 
I, I'm doing I'm doing fine. Like yeah, I know it's weird. Everyone always is like, oh, I hope Gavin's doing okay, given that my life was traveling and going mm-hmm. to magic events and all this stuff before. But I'm doing surprisingly okay. I mean, I have so many friends online. I have a lot of stuff I love to do at home. I'm catching up on stuff. It's actually working out well. Um, you know, I've been looking at houses, all, all kinds of great awesome. things. Um, I, I can't speak to everyone else. I'm sure that it hits some people at Wizards more than others mentally. And I think my biggest advice is um, even in this time, find people who you can connect with and do stuff mm-hmm. with um, and find things that are good to organically do online. I think a lot of people try to just take their in-person events and move them online. And I haven't seen a ton of success with that just because you're constantly reminded of why this is worse because it's online. So find like a cool thing you can now do online. Like for example, I'll tell you a thing with me that I'm really happy about and actually really enjoying is I'm able to play games and even have just like weekly friend calls with people in other states or around the world who I would never get to talk to this regularly before. I have, you know, a, a weekly call with friends every Wednesday night down in LA and I, I would never see them every single week, but it's really cool. I'm able, able, able to build up these new connections because of this. Um, so I would encourage everyone out there to like look for the thing that you couldn't normally do and find a way to turn this kind of like bummer of a time and do a cool opportunity. And for me, that was both connecting with friends and also I've wanted to do video stuff forever. And hey, what better time to hmm. try and learn the ropes of video than when I'm stuck inside yep. with, with nowhere else yep. to go? And has it been a lot of work? Yes. Have I been sinking, uh, I don't know, an extra 40 hours a week into my <laughs> video series? Yes. Uh, but am I really happy that I'm taking this time to learn it? Yeah. So I would encourage everyone else to like figure out what the thing is you want to do. I can already tell you, um, I know we're a long ways off, or I hope we're not, but I would imagine we're a long ways off from this whole thing kind of being mm-hmm. over. Um, but I can already feel that when we get there, there's going to, going to be what I'm calling quarantine regret, which is when you start to come out of quarantine, you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these things I said I was going to do mm. that I didn't actually <laughs> do, right? I said I was going to organize my closet or whatever the thing is. Just think about that now and try to make sure that you don't get to that stage and feel like you have all these quarantine yeah. regrets. I think that that's a really um, solid thing to think awesome. about too. So. I love that. There's some, there's some tips, some non-magic tips. Nice. For that's for my new life video series <laughs> that I'll do. <laughs> Uh, what do we got next, Pat? Um, Dan, P, this is kind of an interesting question, and I'm sure again, this is outside. I'm sure it's outside of your 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 responsibilities, but it's kind of cool. O- old border reprints. This is from Dan Peterson, by the way. Old border reprints are super nice, uh, but what does Gavin think about using some more old style art with these reprints? Trying to get closer to the alpha beta feeling, maybe using the old, f- the first artists, or just telling other artists to go for that old school feeling uh, with oil paintings. I think I could lift the old border reprints to another level. It's pretty cool. So with Time Spiral Remastered, one thing that we wanted to do was make sure that in the tradition of Time Spiral, we used the old artwork on these time-shifted cards, um, you know, these, 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 um, these old frame cards. So there's no new artwork that appears on the old frame cards in the set. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, they're the original version. Um, we really went for whatever we thought the most iconic version of the card was. So if there were multiple versions, we went for the one that people would, would like, really recognize mm-hmm. and know. So that's how it is for Time Spiral Remastered, and that made a lot of sense to me. In the future, if we do this again, I could absolutely see being like, yeah, we're going to put a card in the old card frame, and we're going to make something look like it was from Alpha. Or, you know, even wonkier, I could see a world where, I don't know what set this would be in, but someday we, like, word it Alpha style. I know these things show up sometimes (laughs) on Reddit or whatever, where people are like, oh, here's a Planeswalker worded as if it was released in Alpha. That could be a fun gag we do at some point or another. Um... For now, let's see how Time Spiral Remastered does. Once again, if you want this stuff, 
buy Times Bar Remastered. I really cannot emphasize this <laughs> enough. Um, show us that you love it, and you'll get more of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that could all be in the cards. Awesome. Well, I think that uh, about wraps up the list, Pat. I think so, too, yeah. Um, well, this was a, this is a great time sitting down with you, Gavin. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us and, being again, being very generous with your time. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. It's always my pleasure to come on. And I'm, like I said, I've been coming on your show for ages. <laughs> I always love coming back on, you know, fun once a year history or something like that. And uh, there's some cool stuff coming out in the future for you. All. I think there'll be some fun legacy tools and upcoming sets, although hopefully not too many <laughs> as per our previous discussions. But I really think that, like, for me, Time Spot Remastered is like a love letter for you guys where I, it, once again, not everything in there is for legacy. Like, you know, don't, don't set your expectations <laughs> right. on that. But there is going to be some stuff that people have asked for for a long time, and I think we'll get legacy players very excited, especially those foils. Yeah. Like, can you imagine foil Chalice of the Void oh, for your yeah, legacy? Yeah. Very it's cool. going to be right. very, very I, cool. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Well, uh, yeah, we'll also have to have you back on for our uh, our annual Christmas episode with Gavin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, those are always super fun. I'll have fun stories to tell, and who knows what might be revealed by that. <laughs> Maybe I can say a few more things. Awesome, awesome. And and you know, you know, to your question earlier too, if there is. If you do end up getting a preview card um, for Time Star Remastered, once again, I, I honestly can't say one way or another. But if that does happen, let me know, and uh, I could be happy to come on the show. And yeah, be amazing. oh, that'd be amazing. That yep. would be awesome. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's get into, to, into scoops in the top eight, Jerry. Before we get out of here, um, every week we do scoops in the top eight people or things or whatever that we want to shout out and just kind of give them a scoop in the top eight. Jerry, who are you scooping in this week? Uh, well, definitely Gavin for coming on. I mean, always, always a pleasure. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pre butter him up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butter up uh, Blake for uh, <laughs> first of all, uh, allowing Gavin to come on as it. And uh, you know, Blake, you know, hit us up with one of those preview cards. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, get. Yeah, 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 you just send him your hit list. Be like, all right, if you need these ten cards in the set, let's get one of these. Um, that's awesome. Uh, Gavin, uh, is there anyone you want to scoop in in top eight this week? You know, really, there are so many people I want to scoop in. Um, it always feels like we don't ever get the segment. I always feel like I can't do it justice because there are so many people. <laughs> um, but you know, this week, this week, I really want to scoop into top eight. Everyone recently who's been coming on as a guest to my YouTube show. Just because it's been really cool to do all, all episodes on my own, but um, I've brought in a bunch of really cool guests recently. Uh, I had on Chris Kiritz, I had on David McDarby, I had on Annie Sardellis and Victoria Kanya and Megan Smith. I have an episode coming out tomorrow, um, which will be out by the time you get this, with Alex Kessler from the Masters mm-hmm. of Modern podcast or the MM cast. Um, so I've, I've brought on a bunch of really cool guests recently, and I know you know this is all time people are just putting into to coming on the show. And while I'm the guy editing it, it still means a lot that people want to come on. And then I've hit the point where people are actively reaching out to me like, Hey, I have a cool thing. Can I come on your show? So, um, thanks so much to everyone who makes that happen. Cause it really, my show's a total labor of love. Like I know there are a lot of people out there who are like, you know, this is some wizards joint. This is me in my house doing this. I edit it. I film it. I do the whole thing. And, um, I got a comment the other day. That's like, uh, tell your editor X Y Z. I'm like I am. The <laughs> I will. I will make sure to tell him. So um, that is crazy. So yeah, thanks really to everyone who makes it all happen. It, it is literally another 40 hour a week job on top wow. of my our already. Like, job, can so. you imagine if like uh, I'm an accountant and I also go home and I come out with three videos a day on uh, accounting stuff? Like that, <laughs> that just shows how much you love your job. That you finish your yeah. do- job and then want to go home and do even more of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reception's been super great so far. I mean, the channel has not existed for more than a couple of months. I'm already at already t- 
almost 10,000 subscribers. That's awesome. Uh, it's growing super fast. So um, I'm well, I'm going to put the, the channel in the show notes, and we're going to give it the LAL bump this week. You're going to get that this week. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. You, you, can link, you can link my legacy episode if you want to. I think Love it. All right. We'll do. Anyway. Anyway. We'll do. Um, all right. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to scoop in. Uh, the Dead Format had our old pal Adrian on uh, last week, I believe it was. And it was so great to hear his voice again and hear him talk about all the stuff he loves to talk about. So uh, I'm going to I'm scooping Adrian into top eight because I miss oh, yeah. that. I miss that guy. He's one of the OGs, one of the founders of Leaving a Legacy. And it was great to hear him on a podcast again. So going to scoop him and Tom and Ian into the top eight. And uh, I just love love all those guys, and and uh, it was it was a great episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up here, Gavin. If someone wants to get a hold of you, uh, I have your YouTube channel and Ethan Fleischer's uh, episode that are going to be in the show notes. But if someone wants to find you somewhere else, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, this is going to sound. I, I said this the other day on another podcast, and someone said, "Gavin, that is the most like baller move." <laughs> and now I'm just going to repeat it again. If you want to find me, just Google my name. <laughs> it is so easy. Like, uh, no one else has my name. So if you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or anywhere, wait, like, that's the way wait, to do it. Wait, you have a TikTok? Oh, <laughs> did you not see my TikToks? They're, they're so good. Uh, yeah, you got to go check them out. Um, I made, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for you. There's some great ones on there. Just just go. Uh, there's some magic ones that did really, 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 really well. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, go check it. I, I also put them all on. I repost them all on Twitter, too, but. Um, so yeah, uh, I super appreciate it. All the community support is amazing. And now my YouTube channel is this big new quarantine venture and it's been growing like gangbusters to the point where I'm like previewing stuff on it. So I feel very, very fortunate. So, um, just thanks to everyone listening, especially if you've been listening to leaving a legacy for a long time. And, um, I'm, I'm so happy to be here with all of you doing the cast. Well, thank, awesome. thank you, Gavin. Uh, again, congratulations on your, on your, on your, your second full-time job that you decided to take during quarantine. That's a, <laughs> it's a great venture. I'm definitely going to check out some of the videos this week because, uh, I'm always looking to see that stuff. So we really appreciate you coming on, man. And, and we wish you the best and hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care, everyone. And, you know, until next time, may you have a lot of fun playing with legs. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> have a good one, guys. We'll catch you all next week. Bye.